Hello everyone and welcome to the Rewatchman, where we don't do reviews, we do re-reviews. We take something that you haven't seen in years, we go back to it and we see, does your opinion hold? Does our opinion hold? Is something we remember terribly actually better than we thought? Or is something that we used to love not so good? Today, we will be traveling back to the 90s to a childhood favorite of mine, and I believe Ben, yours as well. This is true. Animaniacs, but we will get to that shortly. I am TC Dewitt, across the table from me, the other original rewatchman, Mr. Ben Oh, my stars and stripes. <laughs> uh, baloney in our pants. <laughs> There's balonies in our slacks. <laughs> ben, welcome back. Thank you, TC. It's you, great to be back. That's good. That's good. We have we have lots of neat little news stories to discuss. You walked in here like I'm unprepared. You looked <laughs> the internet all of thirty seconds. And you're like I have topics. Now I'm prepared. It was like <laughs> downloading me into the Matrix. <laughs> I need a gun. I need some news. <laughs> have you heard the fan theory that Neo's the bad guy and that Agent Smith is the one? Yeah. <laughs> I love fan theory it's, theories, TC. It's great. There's I know a, we had this long spiel about it, but fan theories, amazing. I, I do, I do like a good, well, well thought out fan theory. Yes. You can go back several episodes and hear my rant against Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> not a thing. No, not a thing. We're not going to get into that. Um, I wish it had been Slade Wilson and Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. That, that would have made been, more sense. <laughs> no, the uh, the Matrix one. That was. There's a lot to support that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how you been? You had your premiere. Yes. Ben, I just, I, I love that just a few short years ago, your humble beginnings as backup acapella singer for the, uh, for, for Here Andy, Comes Trouble. For Here Comes Trouble, for Andy Bernard in the office <laughs> at NBC. And now here you are working for NBC as a writer, director, producer, editor, Jane of all trades. Woo. <laughs> Look at me now, Andy. That's for not what, giving me lead vocals. Where, where's he now, huh? <laughs> Cornell. Cornell. <laughs> no, but how'd it go? How did how did the screening go? It was really good, man. We played in front of a uh, fantastic feature uh, feature doc called Outrun. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd was lively. Everyone was really fantastic and receptive. Asked a lot of questions, and so it was a really good soft launch. And ah, that's great. I'm really excited for May fifth, which is this Thursday, this when we Thursday, actually yeah. have our real launch online. <laughs> the uh, this episode may or may not be up before Thursday, uh, but either way, go check out. Where can people find it? At uh, you can go like our Facebook page at NBC Asian America, or you can go to NBC News. There's a tab called NBC Asian America. There's also our partners, NBC Latino, NBC LBOK. Mm-hmm. Great, uh, great news sites for alternative news. And also uh, YouTube. We're on YouTube and that YouTube app. Or you can get the NBC News app now, actually, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon TV. Mm, and just future. download the app. Yeah. And then you can stream all the episodes, including my teammate series as well. So, all right. yeah, not just mine. There's cool. a bunch of other cool <laughs> series. <laughs> cool. Now, now we're going to keep working our backwards from premiere to where they can see it to what we're talking about. Yes. What are we talking about? We're talking about NBX. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about life stories. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm jumping around. This is too much time travel for one day. <laughs> Uh, yes, so life stories is something that I've been talking about for many podcasts now. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it first started uh, a year and a half ago or so, um, started in college as a junior, and now now it's picked up by NBC News and NBC Asian America, and I'm really excited to see it launch. I'm really 
really anxious because after my team my teammate her series launched first mm -hmm. and now she's getting like a bunch of calls from like msnbc oh, and like man, other uh, media conglomerates that want to talk about exploring and expanding the mm -hmm. series to uh, different platforms so like oh, even though we're kind incredible. of a smaller uh, units within mm. NBC. It's still NBC. It's still attached to a big media conglomerate. So uh, there's potential. To, there's potential, TC. Comcast so. owns your soul. Yes. <laughs> I am the slave to the system. <laughs> you, you were at the White House. Yes. That was for... Uh, Unbelievable. That was an amazing trip, man. That It's... It's crazy because, like, after all these cities that I've been through, I, I thought, like, you know, New York, check, Boston, check. I don't really have I any more Iowa. dream cities. <laughs> Iowa, Des Moines, you've been fantastic. I love your fried food. <laughs> but um, I think the best time I've had, like, on this tour is in D.C., man. Like, maybe it's because of the project I was working on, mm -hmm. um, which wasn't Life Stories. We, we shot Life Stories there with the Surgeon General, um, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who was awesome. But also... Um, there's going to be a project coming out. It's a print article about all the Asian Americans in Obama's administration mm -hmm. um, since 2008 till now. And it's so... Because we, we're always talking about representation on this podcast and media and stuff like that. But it's fantastic to see representation in real life, especially in such powerful, influential positions. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know Obama's right-hand man was a Chinese-American guy. And I didn't know that John Kerry's deputy chief of staff was a Korean-American woman. Like, and all these people are so humble, man. They're so great and really inspiring. It just, like, I, I never am one to, like, be involved in politics until, like, being influenced by all these people. Like, there's there's something to be said to be done in this medium. And I, yeah. I think it was fantastic. That's It's going to be a great article. I took pictures. I didn't really write it. <laughs> I was Peter Parker for the week. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> you had your Polaroids shaking the shake it off, shake, 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 off. shake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's just that's incredible. Did um, I just saw an article? I think Elaine posted it. Uh, you're, I think I'm saying. Oh yeah, Elaine. Yeah. Um, uh, it was the uh, Pacific America Month. Pacific American. Oh month, yeah, or? so May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, which is the equivalent to Black History Month in February. Mm -hmm. um, I mean. Yeah, not a lot of people know. Not even Asian people know. So yeah, that's that's the thing now. <laughs> Where, where's the White History Month, man? This is bullshit. It's on PBS. <laughs> NPR. NPR. <laughs> and what's fantastic is like, I think people will know about it a lot more now since um, uh, Obama is going to do a keynote address at one of the largest Asian Pacific American uh, events in DC like this month. He's keynoting it, and Hillary's awesome. going to be there. And so, like, it's just great. The community is on the up and ups. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's, it's a great month. It's a great time to launch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited, man. Congratulations <laughs> on everything. I Screams internally. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I couldn't be there for, for the premiere. But uh, Oh, no, you didn't miss much. It's seriously, like, five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you would have had to sit a whole, through a whole feature. But, I mean, uh, the feature, feature was hate, great, though. I hate, <laughs> I hate movies. Ah, uh, movies. That's why we're rewatching a cartoon series today. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, There'll be so much more to talk about with this, and um, uh, I, I just—it's incredible. And congratulations to you and everyone involved with with making this a thing. Thank you, TC. It's all thanks to people like you and Candace. <laughs> I, I just watched your thing. I true Asians. <laughs> oh, yes, I thank you. I've—I uh, am a true Asian. Thank You're you. a Trajan. When I was in high school at one of the school dances, I, I danced with a friend who was a black girl, and she said I danced well enough that I could I could be considered a, 
uh, an honorary black guy. A brother. A brother. <laughs> so now I have my black card and my Asian card, so I'm I'm working my way through the ranks here. You Let's almost have all your cards. I am a melting pot. <laughs> this is verging on racism. <laughs> <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, let's talk about some quick news stories here. So Let's do it. Um, Netflix has ordered a Punisher series after somehow deciding they don't have enough money for Marvel shows. <laughs> <laughs> Change of heart. Uh, no, um, so you're not done with Daredevil season two yet. I've, I've surpassed you. I've finished it with Candace. This is true. And um, um, I have the last episode I saw was the Daredevil Punisher on the rooftop okay. uh, episode, which uh, was so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm excited because this is I've, everything that Netflix has done so far has been fantastic. Yeah, even like the mm, like moments that may occur in. Daredevil season one, two, and Jessica Jones, it's still amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they're going to try to go forward with the Punisher series yeah. is exciting. Um, my my concern is like, well, how much can you tell a compelling mm-hmm. story in thirteen episodes about a guy who just is gunning people down? Pretty much. But <laughs> I'm sure they'll find a way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Net- I trust Netflix. Stephen S. Knight, who and um, the other guy escapes me. It's another one. It's another one of Whedon's guys. Uh, who've put together this Marvel Knights corner of the mm. of the universes? They've they've been doing great. Man. Yeah. Do you think? Have we talked about this? I, we've probably talked about this before. Do you think any of Jessica or Daredevil or probably maybe Punisher can they show up in the movies? Do you think we w- they have a place in the films? Totally for me, no. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they can find a way to shoehorn a cameo or whatever, but like the stories that are told within the cinematic universe versus the TV universe, mm-hmm. it's so starkly different. Like when I watch Daredevil, I'm reminded of like a gritty crime procedural, mm-hmm. and I don't get any of those vibes from the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel season two moved more towards the fantastic mm-hmm. that's that the majority of the Marvel universe stuff touches on. Yeah, now, they haven't done specifically magic yet that's mm-hmm. what dr strange will be doing and we'll get to him but uh with thor being that sciencey magic of fantasy and and the more f- you know incredible elements of iron man and, and that i feel like season two moved more towards that so, yeah um but you're right i think more of a cameo something small i don't know if i could i don't know if daredevil could stand next to tony stark yeah and it not feel odd but maybe jessica and luke could i don't know mm. it's it's interesting I, I i do i would like to see them get there yeah if possible i would just like to see the shows and like the abc shows so mm. like um you got agent carter and uh, agents of shield and there's a third one that they're working on oh really yeah that's um oh, i totally forgot her name it's the it's the british guy and the the other badass girl on the show british anyway. Actually, what am I thinking? I, don't, I haven't seen the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, I'd like to see some of. I'd like it would be interesting to see Coulson make a cameo on one of the Netflix shows, or vice versa, to hmm. see like they've done little sub character crossover stuff. Like, um, well, I won't. I don't want to spoil it, so I won't say. But there are there are minor minor characters that have crossed between Daredevil and Jessica, even. So I think it'd be cool to see them go. Further, I just we live in a great age, don't we? <laughs> we do. I mean, I because w- I have a man crush on Charlie Cox, so I would love to see him in anything. <laughs> Stardust. Oh yeah, <laughs> except Stardust. Uh, you sh- have you watched Stardust recently? Not recently. Is you know, this, Henry is it... Cavill's in it. 
Really? He's he's the sh- like the 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 charming fellow who wins Sienna Miller at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and he's blonde. Daredevil versus Superman. That's right, and Daredevil <laughs> wins. Uh, but speaking of comic booky type type things, the trailer came out for the R-rated Batman: The Killing Joke. Uh, now, now, where are you on this? Are you excited? Like, how do you how how do you feel? Like, what, what are your thoughts? I think overall, I am very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very good story. I've enjoyed the graphic novel very much. Um, it looks like tonally, visually, aesthetically, everything is uh, to a T um, to the comic. It's just my only gripe is I think we discussed this a little bit online, but um, animation-wise, it looks very out of place. Looks very odd, out and even outdated a mm. little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not as it's not up to like it's not as um pristine as we're used to seeing with DC animation. Yeah, I think that the DC animation <laughs> suffers from digital animation. Mm-hmm. That one of the, one of the reasons that Batman the animated series those first 3 seasons, not even the 4th, the first 3 seasons, the reason that they are so cherished yeah. and and stand is such an incredible show for even this much longer is that they're hand drawn yes and the fourth season was digitally mm. like half and half and now the more modern stuff is all digital um and i think that that hurts in quite it can hurt the quality of something yeah um i understand the, the the timeline of trying to make one of these things needs to be sharp i mean they announced this what last comic-con yeah and now it's ready to come out a year later mm. <clears throat> uh, but I, I am excited hamill's back kevin conroy's back I think that this graphic novel is something people need. It, people should do a reread mm. because there are so many people who only remember the key moments of it. Do you remember that Barbara's 43 in it? No. Do you remember that Ace the Bat Hound is referenced in it? No. <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Do you remember that, that Batman all but kills Joker at the end of it? Yes. Yeah. That, I don't <laughs> think a lot of people remember that. People think... <laughs> oh, uh, uh, young, cool Barbara Gordon is shot and paralyzed by Joker. No, mm. that's not true. Yeah. Middle-aged, retired Barbara Gordon, who's taking care of her senile, decrepit James Gordon, <laughs> and Joker shoots her in one page mm. to drive Gordon crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, it's weird how people remember the only certain elements of it. It's perfect for, not a rewatchman, but a re- re-reader. A re-readman. Re-readman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I am excited for it. The like the image we have here it's the the classic joker hands to the hair laughing moment that looks it looks striking good. and the cover have you seen the cover art for it yeah is also a different style of animation that mm. looks that smile is creepy i wish it was that animation <laughs> i know right i hate it when that happens <laughs> uh, man um i am i think one element that i'm really looking forward to if anything because like i know the story i know like how it plays out and whatnot I would. I just am really interested in what they're doing with the 15 minute Batgirl prologue. Yes, at the beginning. You did mention it, that, yeah. that, and that's all new. Like that's new. Yeah, that, that's conceptualized like to kind of fluff the story mm-hmm. out, but give, make it more raise the stakes a little bit. Raise the stakes. Give yeah. give Barbara more depth because mm-hmm. I think the book, um, she was more of a device mm-hmm. for uh, an emotional response from Commissioner Gordon and Batman, and, Batman, yeah. Yeah. and uh, to propel joker's evilness along um so I, I like to see her be her own agent in this story and yeah yeah really give, more, give more gravity to what happens to her yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so we'll see, i'm excited for that uh, it's going to premiere at comic-con san diego which mm-hmm. candace and i will be at so we will get to see Woo! see the premiere of it are you gonna be watching yes be we will be i will 
be getting in line for that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm already planning on it. Uh, oh, speaking of Comic-Con, Hall H will be streaming live this year. Ooh. No more. I mean, people still will camp outside for two days. <laughs> people pay hundreds of dollars to get to Comic-Con, get in line on, a f- on Thursday night to get into the Hall H by Saturday. Hmm. Why did you spend so much money to do that? It's not <laughs> worth it. Just so you can say, I was there. That's that's crazy to me. I, mm-hmm. Do you know how much tickets are to Disneyland for a day? Mm-hmm. To Universal Studios, it's 100 bucks for a day? Yeah. Why? I don't... We're, what, how do you have the money to blow on something like that? <laughs> like, I'm going to Comic-Con. What'd you do? I waited in line. <laughs> okay, and then what? I, I got into Hall H. Okay, and? I'm... I was in the same room as Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Did you guys talk? No, no, he was like 300 yards away. <laughs> but Hall H will be streaming this year. Don't remind me of my existence, DC. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like Candace and I did. It's the we we actually slept outside to get into Hall H two years ago, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, never again. <laughs> and not worth it. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, a badge, a nerd badge of honor—that's to be sure. But by the time it all was said and done, getting in the room to see the Marvel panel, which mm. was which was very exciting for the moment. But man, it was like fast food. Yeah, it's like ah, this is delicious. I'm hungry again. <laughs> and now I feel great. And now I gotta go poo. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth makes TC poo. <laughs> it's the pecs. <laughs> uh, but everything just goes online right away anyway. Yeah. Uh, but but another Comic Con news: Fox will not be going. Ooh, did you hear this? I did not. So Fox is concerned about piracy, about mm-hmm. people getting the cell phone images, misrepresenting their movies. So they've decided, you know what? We're not even going to go. Yeah. So Marvel won't be there. Star Wars won't be there. Disney won't be there. Fox won't be there. Warner Brothers will be. <laughs> They're you wanna like see, you desperate. See our, you want to see our Wonder Woman panel? <laughs> now people can be like, oh, Warner Brothers won Comic-Con. Well, by default. <laughs> <laughs> yes. People finally love us. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think that Comic Con's reached kind of like a like a, a max capacity? Like, have we reached the the breaking point of, of how Comic Con works? It it seems like we're we're teetering towards the apex of Comic Con at least. Because yeah. um, I mean, there's so many other cons by the way. Like mm-hmm. Wonder Con's pretty awesome and Kamikaze and whatnot. D twenty three. Yeah, D twenty three especially. And I feel like especially some of these studios like Disney. They're becoming such a huge brand that they don't even, they have their own con. Yeah. Like they don't need yeah. to go to San Diego Comic Con. Absolutely. And the the power of social media like allows them to propel news in a way where we they don't have to show up in it anywhere now. Like the virtual space is where all they need to be. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't see what the function of Comic Con is really anymore. Well, for the um, entertainment industry. Yeah. I, I will agree with you that it's mm. reaching a point now where like the big announcement hall like I think Hall H has reached a breaking point. Yeah. Where that big breaking news of of Comic Con isn't coming out of Hall H anymore. Mm. It's coming out of the smaller panels. It's coming out of the the tweets and the little mini interviews and and it's I, I feel like it'll swing back to what that convention should be, yeah. which is representing comics and the smaller medias, not the big, clunky superpower medias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, talk, I, I had a thought now. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish Comic-Con was about comics. That'd be nice. I, I, it, I think it'll return return to that. Um, 
but the the screenings like that's fun the and i do think that the smaller media stuff is is where it's at the being able to go see the tv stuff mm. i think works for hall h but the the big like okay perfect example i thought I, I found my thought back i just babbled till i found it ben bring it home tc biggest comic-con news story of last year mm. i think it was i will say last year right it ha- okay so comic-con happened everyone was talking about this that and the other the next day the leaked footage for deadpool came out and what was the number one story the leaked footage of deadpool Hmm. not superman batman not even star wars no the biggest news story was the thing that was leaked online the next day yes that's what led all the headlines that Hmm. was and once again i will say that was totally a plan to be Hmm. like fox won't invest in us it was two years ago it was two years ago Uh, fox won't invest with us um okay We'll just leak this footage mm. and prove that Deadpool is wanted. And, yeah. and there you go. Lo and behold, it's one of the best comic book movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best. It's yeah. one of the best. It's so perfectly done. Um, you like Deadpool, right? I did. Yeah, okay. So, well, anyhow. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like it. We'll, we'll do a I whole do com- agree, yes. We'll do a whole other Comic-Con wrap-up. Uh, let's, let's talk about... Let's talk about uh, something similar to our theme today, which we're, we're going to be talking about Animaniacs shortly. Uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons, and what what more classic Warner Brothers cartoon is there than Space Jam? <laughs> yes, it's the pinnacle of hand drawn two D animation of the nineties. TC with Corey Coleman's name. <laughs> <laughs> he did he did a shadow on Tweety Bird in one frame. Yeah, it was Corey scene. Coleman presents Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not only is this was this a funny rumor that's now real. <laughs> That LeBron James is starring in it. Yeah. But that Justin Lin is directing it? This feels like a funny or die prank. This, this can't, this, you, you, you linked me to this thing. I, I saw it and I was like, this is fake. This, be, this cannot be real. It's not April 1st, but this has to be a prank. It's May 2nd. Could this? Is this going to happen? Is this a real thing? I think this is for real. This was reported in Variety, so this has to be for real. Well, the the train wreck star, LeBron Train, LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron Train, LeBron, LeBron Train wreck, no. LeBron James. Um, is there a market for this? Like, what's the what's the hot property mm. that would sell this movie? I think I think LeBron's name would be because I mean, like, we didn't go watch Space Jam because of Michael Jordan, or I mean, we watched Space Jam because of Michael Jordan. Yeah, not because of his acting or whatever. <laughs> I think bugs. I think LeBron has that global pool, especially since basketball is such a worldwide sport, mm-hmm. especially in China, the Philippines, so yeah. on and so forth, Europe. Like, Europe has their own league now. That's crazy. But, <laughs> the uh, European basketball, <laughs> basketball league. <laughs> so I think there is pool there. Um, I just, I don't know. There's nothing interesting about this. I The only thing that interests me is the wild card that is Justin Lin. <laughs> Please bring Vin Diesel and The Rock as Monstars. Monstars! Justin Lin's great. Like, he knows how to put together a dynamic, fun, exciting, action-packed film. Mm. So to put him in a basketball movie, <laughs> I'm just curious how this will play out. It's I, so strange, but... The man can choreograph action and comedy so well. It's like a really balanced art form, the way he carries himself. Because, mm-hmm. like, like, that Community Paintball episode, that was Justin Lin. He directed that episode. Yeah. yeah. The, and, the, uh, the first paintball one was, yeah. was Justin Lin, yeah. 
if we can combine Space Jam in, a, in the vein and the spirit of that paintball episode where it was filled with like, like uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek references, mm-hmm. um, like Looney, Tiles, Looney Tunes, Zany style animation. You know, and, I, I didn't even I didn't even put that connection together until you just said that, and I'm on board. <laughs> That's all you need to say. The community paintball meets Space Jam. I'm in. That's my pitch. Thank you, Justin Lin. That's, That's my it. pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, we'll see how that develops. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, Again, it's going to hand drawn versus CG. Yeah, that's true. Uh, will I? That that that's Roger Rabbit hand drawn. The Space Jam hand drawn. Um, it holds up. Like if you go, just check out some clips of mm-hmm. that old Space Jam. Not the, not the most cleverest of movies. Not the, <laughs> you know, it's not breaking. It's not Citizen Kane or anything. But it looks good. Yeah. Even all these years later, it looks good. So I'm curious to see exactly how they approach the animation. Probably Alvin the Chipmunk style. Oh God, no! Please, <laughs> Smurfs. There was a three dimension two bugs in the gang in Space Jam, but it wasn't the DreamWorks CG. Yeah. Like, don't die. Uh, the only thing for me is, even though as as ridiculous as this is, and I'm excited about the ridiculousness <laughs> of it, like Justin Lin started out as like a serious filmmaker, and I wish he got back into that mold because I think he has a lot more potential than dumb action movies. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I do love his dumb action movies. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like when Spielberg is really focused on like telling an artistic piece of storytelling mm-hmm. versus something that's fun and exciting like Jurassic Park. Yeah. He, he, he comes at it, Spielberg comes at it with all seriousness and brings certain levels of quality depending mm-hmm. on what his products are. James Wan has had that in him as well. You yes. are correct. Not James Wan, sorry. Justin uh, Lin. Justin Lin. But speaking of James Wan. Oh, yes, I heard about this. Director of The Flash movie, No More. Yes. He has left the project. This is Seth Graham Smith. Seth Smith Graham. Seth Graham Smith. Seth Graham Smith taking over? No. What's, what's, who's Seth Graham Smith? Oh, he was the director attached to The Flash. No. Uh, oh, James Wan is... Aquaman. Aquaman, I'm yeah. sorry. So The Flash director left yes. and Justin Lin maintains the Aquaman James, property James one. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Names. Names. I'm talking with the thing. Someone <laughs> slipped me a rookie. <sighs> okay. James Wan still on Aquaman. Yes. He's uh, saying it's going to be fun because hmm. when I think Aquaman, I think Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I am... I'm very concerned about where this universe is going, TC. Seth Graham Smith leaving Flash. Mm. Got that correct. Uh, Wonder Woman's director's been replaced twice. Twice, yes. Uh, James Wan was rumored to leave, but mm-hmm. he tweeted out today saying, nope, I'm staying. Uh, I'm staying. <laughs> they, they, they've negotiated. That, none of this is a good sign. Yeah. None of this is a good sign. And this is just further proof that they don't have a cap- anyone captaining the ship. They mm. don't have... Anyone, Kevin Feigeing. They're not Feigeing it. <laughs> They're not Feigeing it. Feigeing it. <laughs> this, this is bad. This is bad news for these, and it's unfortunate for these great characters. I'm I'm aggravated from the Flash from the get yeah. because they are like, no, it's Barry Allen. We're going to show the origin again. <sighs> Look, just make it Wally. Mm-hmm. Just make it Bart. Make mm-hmm. it Jay. Make it any other Flash. We have the show. You're just going to confuse people. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> But no, they're they're sticking. So right from the get, I was like, okay, why? Hmm. why? I, I understand. It's just the further proof that the movie 
people in charge of the movies are snobs when it comes to the TV shows. Mm. And I'm, I'll just, I just hope the TV shows maintain the quality that they're maintaining because they're going to continue to be ignored. Yeah. Despite the fact that they are way more popular and successful. Absolutely. <laughs> I saw a great uh, tweet, a little little thing someone put out. It was Kit Harrington and Egret, whose name I can't remember right mm. now. Just they're dating in real life. They're walking down the street together. Oh, yeah. oh John. <laughs> and uh, um, you know nothing, John Snow. <laughs> Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. Ooh. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I saw that. Yes. I saw that. And I was like, oh my God, that's freaking perfect. Make it so, but on TV, not in the movies. Oh, man. Not in the movies. That Can, is. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amazing. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That was great fan casting. <laughs> Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Dick Grayson, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dick Grayson, Nightwing, and Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Right on. Kit Harrington. She's a redhead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Yes. We know nothing. It'll ne- it'll <laughs> we never, know nothing. It'll never happen, but we can dream. <laughs> uh, it's sad because I, I am looking forward to James Wan's Aquaman because I feel like stylistically and everything else, it has like a vision mm-hmm. from what he's described. Um, as long as they don't meddle. Yeah. Just let the guy tell the story he wants to tell. Absolutely. I think it's going to be better, a little better, than Conan. Um, Conan. Was this the Jason, one that was... Jason Momoa as Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. The remake of that uh, was... <laughs> and I so think he's, he's not a leading man. Yeah. I have yet to... See, he has yet... To, uh, Jason Momoa has yet to impress me as a leading man. Mm. So to make him the, the tentpole of an entire film, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, he's a super likable guy. Like mm. every, every interview I see of Jason Momoa, I'm like, dude, that guy's a great muscle-bound geek like he's, <laughs> he's a genuinely cool nice guy so i feel like he has a lot of rock-esque potential yes yeah, yeah. i agree it just needs some guidance yeah, yeah and let's hope uh, james wan is the man to do it for. hopefully hopefully <laughs> <laughs> well in other news speaking of some interesting casting we are going to get our hold on a second alec baldwin harrison ford ben affleck chris pine and now Jack Ryan, number five, John Krasinski. Ah, uh, yeah, good old Jim. They're going to try again with Jack Ryan. Who is asking for this franchise to keep going? No it, one saw the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that movie did terrible. Yeah. And it's probably because Keira Knightley was doing an American accent, and that's always weird. And, it's always super awkward. And, and Kenneth Branagh was doing a Russian accent, and that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, uh, okay, so my my theory on this mm. is that they, whatever company, I think it's Universal, owns Jack Ryan. Paramount. Paramount, thank yeah. you. Paramount wants their, wants a Jason Bourne franchise. And the only character they have that they feel like they can build upon is an existing name recognition of Jack Ryan. Yeah. Uh, no, because Tom Clancy doesn't <laughs> lend himself to adrenaline-pumping nonstop action. Mm. Tom Clancy lends himself to intrigue and suspense and calculated tactical reconnaissance min- missions. Yeah. Like, Tom Clancy's great. He's a fantastic writer. Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games. Uh, th- those are, even the Jack Ryan, like all the Jack Ryan books are great, but they're not. They're far more thoughtful. They're more like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah. Which with a Gary Oldman. Jean Claire. Yeah, that's. But no, um, I, I, hey, you know what? I like Krasinski. 
He's a charming guy. He was almost Captain America. <laughs> yeah, this could be his Captain America audition in a Maybe. way. <laughs> I mean, if you saw him in Zero Dark Third, no, not Zero Dark Third. Yeah, it was Chris Pratt. What was the uh, oh the Benghazi movie? Yes, thirteen yeah. hours. Yeah. Thirteen hours. I knew, was a, I knew there was a number in there. Somewhere. <laughs> that was that Michael Bay movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was Better Bay. Better it Bay. Wasn't, it wasn't Bayham Bay. <laughs> better, it was Bay. better Bay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have any love for Jack Ryan? Is it is this any is this not not at all, man? Like I mean, I don't have anything against it, like willful like uh, vitriol, but mm-hmm. um, I just don't understand where he fits in this time. Because he, like you said, he he is in the mold of a very eighties s spy espionage film where everything was super slow and calculated, methodical, mm-hmm. and we don't make spy movies like that anymore. We can't. Like the last one was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and no one watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Like the the general audience yeah. didn't appreciate the thoughtfulness of it. Mm-hmm. That actually is a very well acted, a very well movie. well done movie, but it's Gary not, is very good at that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just not built for blockbuster. Yeah, that's 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 what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. It's like some some projects aren't built to be blockbusters. Some characters aren't meant to be blockbusters, and yeah. that's okay. I'd ra- much rather have a thoughtfully thoughtful, well done well-crafted film as opposed mm. to someone who's out there like let's get the let's let's get the big bucks let's yeah. blow things out of the water i'm sure i'll just use deadpool as an example since we brought him up once today they didn't set out to break x-men numbers mm. they set out to make a damn good movie yeah that paid honor to the character as well as the people involved and like they poured their heart and soul into it and lo and behold <laughs> they just happened to make the highest rated R- r-rated movie of highest grossing r-rated movie of all time yeah <laughs> oops <laughs> and when and when fox went to them and was like money <laughs> they said we want the exact same budget hmm. no but you could have so much more nope <laughs> we don't want it <laughs> because that's not what this is about yes and i i th- think there's an opportunity if you look at patriot games and clear and present danger the harrison ford mm-hmm. uh clancy movies those are good rainbow movies. six video games splinter cell <laughs> <laughs> those two movies those the, the the ford clancy jack ryan movies are are good mm-hmm. they're, they're still good because they're they're thoughtful yeah they're still exciting movies but they're not <sighs> some of all fears <laughs> it's <laughs> the thing like Shatter the thing of <laughs> the thing about those jack ryan movies i think is that they're super solid, but no one remembers them. You know what I mean? Like yep. you, yep. you named all those movies, and I literally don't remember <laughs> what happened in any of those movies. Like they, I remember them sitting on my uncle's like shelf as VHSs, and that's, <laughs> that's literally it. it. And <laughs> and I can, I guess I can see if they mold this series into like something like a twenty-four, mm-hmm. something maybe very current eventsy. That's not. Yeah, but all see, about... they, tr- they tried that with Jack Ryan. They yeah. tried that with some of all fears. It just doesn't work. That's true. This character's rooted in the Cold War. Is the problem? Yeah, that's very. And true. trying to trying to remove him from the Cold War mm-hmm. is detrimental to what the character's essence is. Yeah. And uh, you know that it's something that mm, Goldeneye, if I go yes. all the way back to Goldeneye Touchdown, which was the end of the Cold War, changed Bond, mm. and and that was addressed in Goldeneye. And that's a weird movie to reference, but it, the element of, like, the Cold War is over, dude. <laughs> the Russians aren't the villains anymore. It's like the high school jock still living out his glory days. <laughs> hey, nice Letterman jacket. How old are you? <laughs> get, back to, get back to flipping burgers, Ryan. <laughs> you know, what if this was a period piece? See, now you're talking. Mm. Now you're talking. Like, I think that puts it back into a, a fine place that you could actually build upon 
Like uh, Bridge of Spies. You, yes. Did you see Bridge of Spies? Uh, no, but I heard it's excellent. It's very, very good. Mm. Um, much better than I think people would think up front. Just be like, eh, that seems like the eh, Spielberg. But it's actually very well crafted, very well done period piece. And you, you are onto something. Taking Jack Ryan and putting it back in the Cold War and using that as a parallel of how we feel about terrorists now, mm. like ISIS, that, al- that xenophobia that we have now. It almost works like science fiction, where it's just like, where it's like, oh, that's not now. So I can I can really pay attention and, and absorb it subconsciously, because it's a parallel to what's going on now. Yeah, come on, there we go. We're putting it out there. The new Jack Ryan has to be set in the seventies or eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the Red Scare. I'm on here. Fifties, <laughs> going back in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it back in the eighties. Cold War. And it'll be so much more interesting for production as well, because mm-hmm. like I don't know, a lot of these spy movies and spy shows. They're kind of all look the same. Yeah, like yep. they all have that same Iron Man technology with the <laughs> the side swipe computer yep. where you're using your hands in the midair. <laughs> well, speaking of, mm-hmm. did you see? What do you think of the Jason Bourne trailer? Oh, I didn't see the new one, but I saw the Super Bowl spot. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, as immediately as you mentioned, you know, yeah, Paramount's rebooting Jack Ryan so they can look for their Jason Bourne. But the thing that I'm feeling is like no one's asking for Jason Bourne <laughs> to come back. <laughs> I don't know. People will watch it. I, I feel like since coming off the heels of The Martian, people still generally are favorable towards Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. So I, I see people coming back to watching this, especially he's coming back to a franchise that he popularized as mm-hmm. well as the same director. Paul Greengrass coming yeah, back. So, and, and Greengrass crafts good action yes even even using shaky cam correctly because mm-hmm. it's not shaky cam it's handheld yes but like you you at its surface you could watch supremacy and ultimatum and be like oh, i can't watch this it's too <laughs> shaky but if you look at something like we'll say the first hunger games where it's just like blah 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 blah, blah or columbiana where it's like what you're just moving the camera to move it what am i looking <laughs> what is, i don't know what's going and the person's dead that's peanut butter yeah <laughs> uh paul greengrass structures action sequences very very expertly so yeah. i think if anything it'll be nice to see see that return um, i'm annoyed by the campaign for this movie mm. which is the slogan like the the log line that on all the posters and is you know his name <laughs> and it's a picture of matt damon uh. and i think that nine times out of ten people are gonna look at that and go matt damon <laughs> I, I know his name it's matt damon matt damon <laughs> matt damon <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on the trailer? Um, I, I, I am happy to see Paul Greengrass come back. Like I, I just said, it's he knows how to craft a good action sequence. Um, but we are reaching this glut of franchises. We really have. Yeah. And Marvel can keep doing what they're doing, and they're doing fine. But all Marvel is doing is showing, hey, the shared wor- universe is something that you can all fail at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Marvel is showing us. The and not not that necess, not that this four, fifth born movie is shared universe necessarily, but franchising is becoming harder and harder to succeed at artistically. Yeah. I want to say. I mean, yes, money wise, Transformers is still going to make a billions and billions of dollars, and they can do their expanded universe, and it probably will make billions of dollars. But Hasbro, they're getting boring. You said it yourself. Like all these spy movies, kind of like are blending together. I don't know. I. There's nothing unique about these things anymore, and and that's unfortunate. I'd much rather see something that's a one and done, mm-hmm. something like Hot Fuzz to go back what ten years, something that's more like that uh, that's contained. 
Instead of world building, it's the problem with Batman v Superman. It's yeah. the problem with the lesser of the Marvel movies. It's a little bit of the problem in Daredevil season two. Even it's Ooh. like, and I'm not slighting Daredevil season two a lot. I'm just saying. Actually, a lot of people have mentioned the same. It's so. it feels like a setup and mm. and world building without any payoff amidst that hurts a film yeah and so if this newborn movie wants to come out try something new okay he remembers everything again or maybe he doesn't another (laughs) old famous white guy who knows secrets that he has to beat out of that's not brian cox or chris cooper or (laughs) michael gambone i think it's tommy lee jones this time i don't know oh my gosh um Show me something new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's too it's too similar to what they did in the eighties, where it's like uh, Death Wish three. This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the same thing regurgitating over and over again, yeah. but not just in a franchise. In all action movies, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, I feel burnt out. TZ, I really do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There there is a way to re-energize and reinvigorate these because we we. There is a stable of stories that we continue to tell over the centuries, mm-hmm. and it's the same ones over and over again. The hero's journey. Yeah. You know, the two cross, started cross lovers or yeah. whatever, so on and so forth. The mentor and the mentee. Mm-hmm. If you infuse different elements that make us up as people, whether it's cultural, whether it's heritage, whether it's so on and so forth, I think that brings different nuances to these, like, worn-out stories. You know what I mean? Like... Like the spy thriller, I think if we saw something in terms of like I don't know a a Muslim American man who yes, has a sleeper yeah. cell, yeah, you don't know which side he's on, and he's torn on the inside as well. I think that's fascinating as hell. I think that's something they did on on Homeland, right, mm-hmm. or or some Showtime show. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's super interesting. Why aren't we telling more stories like this? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's playing it safe. It's going with the same old, same old, and yeah. you don't have to. I, there is, you're right. I mean. Sh- Think of it this way, okay? Um, horror movies yeah. are just the same thing over and over again, right? For the most part, you, you're not going to argue with me on that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the dumb $3 million budget horror movies are the same thing over yeah. and over again. But we're just getting American horror mm-hmm. movies. And American horror movies are all the same. Yeah. Okay? We fear what's in the woods. Okay? We, <laughs> we, fear, we fear what's outside the city. Yes. We, we fear the unseen we don't fear bears mm. unless you're leonardo dicaprio <laughs> we fear the maniac in the woods mm. right um outside the urban setting yeah because how many horror movies are set in the urban setting yeah in america no but now look at uh like asian horror okay now you're looking at supernatural in the city mm. like something alien and among us yeah right and it's a different sort of fear so those horror movies are completely different from American horror movies because culturally, Asians fear different things. Yes. Their society fears different things, and mm-hmm. that shows through the art. So going through action movies and spy thrillers, something like Jason Bourne, mm-hmm. instead of con- continually showing us the American super spy or the British super spy, let's see if you know, let's see a French super spy. Let's yeah. see an Australian super spy. Mm. Uh, in Bruges is a good example of kind of a, it's not a spy movie, it's a hitman movie, yeah. but done from the perspective of, um, it's alt-Brit, I guess I could call it, <laughs> if I'm going to make up a term. You're such a hipster. And in, in Bruges is a very unique and different movie. Mm. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson doing fantastic work um, because it's not rooted in the standard American action hitman yeah. type story. 
So, and I totally think there's so much untapped potential in the American narrative, and not just like the spy thriller, just in any genre. Mm-hmm. It's because we're ignoring different sectors of America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's something to think about because, like, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> just had a. There, like, there's other this? stories to be told. Then, yeah. And instead of Boom. you can tell you can tell the hero's journey again and again. It should yeah. be told again and again. It's mm. so easy to relate to. It's mm. just finding a different perspective to go on. That's I I want to continue to give Marvel credit for finding the way to for finding a way to tell the same story over and over again. Literally the same. <laughs> <laughs> but from a unique perspective yeah. to find a new way to spin on it. Mm. In fact, let's segue into a, a, a major point of conversation I have with you, which is Doctor Strange. So Ooh. we're gonna take a quick second here to watch the trailer. Okay. Alright, there, I got you to watch the Doctor Strange trailer. <laughs> I know I know you, internally. you have you, you have thoughts about this. Um, but let's let's just be let's just start candid here. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think it looks good? As a movie or visually? Well, I mean, do you want to see it? I know you don't want to see it. That's a bad example. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you said right off the bat, it's like wow, very Batman Beginsy, uh, uh, very Inceptiony. Yeah. And I was like, wait till the last shot where the city's <laughs> folding on itself. Um, it's. I'll just say, I. There's like kind of three parts to my not wanting to watch this movie. <laughs> First part is I am not like into Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the second part was when they casted, I was like, okay, I'm definitely not watching it. <laughs> and then when I saw this trailer, it I was just like, yeah, this kind of confirms everything that I don't want to watch. So yeah. now I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm, I, I, it looks good. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I like Benedict. Um, I like Choi Jolegi 4 a lot. Yeah. Um, really anything he's in. He's usually the best part. Of it. Hmm. Uh, he just picks such unique roles. Um, I mean, I love him in Serenity, even. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, like, man, people but... forget that he's the he's the agent in that. He is. Yeah. Have you seen Red Belt by any chance? Red. Yes, the boxing movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. a really good movie. <laughs> um, but here, okay, uh, let's get into the real meat of this conversation. Mm. All right, and I'm going to start here. Are we okay with a British man playing an American character? Are we okay with that? Yes, we are. Okay. Mm. I don't understand why that was even needed to be a thing. Why couldn't they just make Benedict Cumberbatch British? Why can't Stephen Strange be British? Why does he have to be American? <laughs> what, is he American? I don't even know. Yeah. What's the... Did, didn't you... Well, Stephen Strange is American. Okay, he's, he's American. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so we're okay with that. Mm. Are we okay with Baron Mordrew, who is a white Russian, being played by Chihuahua for? Yes. Yes. Mm. That's okay. I mean, more more chances for other opportunities. Okay, right? Yes, absolutely. Are we okay with a traditionally male character being played by a female? Yes. Then why is it a problem that Tilda Swinton is playing the ancient one? Very good question, TC. I didn't mean. To, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to instigate any argument oh, here. No, 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 no. I'm genuinely curious about this. We can talk about Ghost in the Shell too if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Go check so, out that post that I ranted on Facebook. It's got 800 shares now. <laughs> what happened? But I'm so when this came out, my mm. I, th- me, you know, stupid white dude, don't know shit. <laughs> no, 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 don't say that. <laughs> I, I saw it and was like, Till Swinton, I like her, but why is she playing an ancient Tibetan monk? <laughs> I don't even know the characters very well for Doctor Strange. I'm not a huge yeah. Doctor Strange fan. My favorite Doctor Strange thing is a fan fiction thing written by Nathan Bliss from the old Spill days. Yeah. It's very, very good. Like, <laughs> uh, Marvelrebooted.com slash Doctor Strange. Anyway, but I just thought, I was like, well, why Tilda Swinton? Mm-hmm. Why not 
anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and and I will let you talk in just a moment, but I also mm. want, did you see Carlisle? Carl, I, I read about it okay. in the, the Times, actually. They mm-hmm. covered it. Yes. So it, so it reached it, a lot of people. <laughs> for, former Spilio, uh, the, uh, uh, C. Robert, Car- Robert C. Cargyle, C. Robert Cargyle um, <laughs> who is the writer of the film. Yes. Um, def- you know, he made his point that it was a, a no-win scenario, however they cast it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's true at all. I think the win is to cast an Asian <laughs> You know what? Cast him as an Asian woman. But you know what? That he they that's what they have to deal with. That's you, their thing. You sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's go, I've talked enough. You you hit the nail right on the head, like an Asian woman? That's never been done before. In a traditionally like monk mentor figure in these kind of these movies that mm-hmm. they're trying to emulate, there's never been the Asian woman as the mentor. Yeah. That would have been very empowering in many different ways. But I think just to go back to all those identities that you named off to see if this is okay, this is okay. Like that's the great thing and the complexity in which that we need to be competent when we're talking about intersectionality of identities. Like, cause when people talk about this, like, oh, white guy, black guy, we're assuming that everyone starts off on the same playing field. Right. Like this is an equitable, like this industry in itself, film is equitable, and mm-hmm. everyone's on the same playing field, and that's not the case, especially when it comes to representation, and why this is so incredibly egregious is because it, <laughs> it's once again like takes another role, another job from a real actual Asian or Asian American actor, right? And like, and and this is another thing that I caught watching the trailer. It's another white man navigating through a very Asian. Uh, Asian world mm-hmm. it kind of it, it's just orientalism all over again you know what I mean even even Chiwetel Ejiofor in there with the garb and stuff it just looks weird it's not right you know what I mean like I think this can be done hello Thea how are you I'm fine how are you <laughs> it can be totally be done with an Asian American and, and Elaine actually pointed this out in a conversation we had before like it'd be cool to have a brown doctor strange (laughs) it's it's just because these worlds are so it's so asian tc it's so it's in the himalayas it's in that region where like i mean someone tweeted this out it's great it's like doctor strange is fantastic because we get a lot of asian stuff but no asian people in it (laughs) and that's not fantastic (laughs) it's it's sarcasm Sarcasm. (laughs) but it's like that's that's like the case with all these movies like culturally it is asian influence Mm -hmm. and there's uh like these issues and these characters that like the issues that motivate these characters are very asian rooted Mm -hmm. and we're not acknowledging it like if you don't want to put an asian person in this role that's fine but there's no acknowledgement of this of this place. It's just it's just a fantastical exotic place, you know, yeah. which is furthering that that perpetual foreigner stereotype that mm-hmm. Asian and Asian Americans are. Like we're constantly on the outside because of these depictions. Uh, and and I'm I'm going to keep playing the advocate here to initiate yeah. conversation. But the complaint of why is Tilda Swinton not? Why isn't it being portrayed by an Asian? Uh, why is uh, Scarlett Johansson's <laughs> character from Ghost in the Shell who has a Japanese name not yeah. being played by a Japanese woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, go watch movies in Japan. Well, there's they're making hundreds of movies a year too yeah. over in Asia. Mm-hmm. You get all the movies you want with Asian people. And why, why are you complaining about you know, this place? <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard this argument. Yes. And I'm like, that's not fair at all. Yeah, <laughs> to say that. that's 
that's if you think that the default human American is white. Exactly. Like, if you if that's your thought processes, then yeah. And number one, you're racist. <laughs> and number two, it's so, it totally ignores intersectionalities and hyphenated identities. Mm -hmm. Like, Ghost in a Shell in and of itself is Japanese. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Have you seen Ghost in a Shell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't really care for it all that much. When yeah, I, I mean, when I it's, saw it, it's I... very weird. <laughs> it's super weird. But it's, it's cool cyberpunk. And mm -hmm. everything that they deal with, it's it's so rooted in Japanese, not culture, but like their politics too. Yeah. So things that we don't know anything about, and I'm sure we can craft it in a way that to make it American. If if you are like, why why still say Japan? Mm -hmm. Why still have her name be the major Miyoto Saki something something? <laughs> like, why have all these Asian characters kind of be furniture to the white protagonists? Still like. Mm -hmm. If you want to adapt it to American property that appeals to Caucasian Americans, just make everything white. You know, like why why CG Scarlett Johansson to make her more Asian? Uh. That's like an actual <laughs> report that came out of Screen Crush two weeks ago, and I was like, horrified. I I mentioned I, I believe it was to you and Bryce. Like I thought we had problems, but if this is true, then this is. Then every, the state of the industry is way worse than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Because yeah. <laughs> they're they're willing to go out of their way to not cast an Asian by using CGI, TC. <laughs> this is how bad they don't want to cast an Asian. It's crazy. Okay, and then I I want to I ask you this. Okay, mm. I've seen the artwork. I've watched the cartoon. Yeah, she, she doesn't look Asian. Mm. What's that all about? This is true. There there is that argument about ah oh, manga and anime is so like. Like the way the Japanese people uh, draw them is very Western influence. Yeah. Um, the the argument that the Ghost in the Shell character, the major, is an android, so they don't have a race or mm -hmm. whatever, so on and so forth. It's still this is all this is all BS. But yeah. but I, I I ask I know this is a huge conversation that yes, could be absolutely. delved into many many facets of 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 the culture of anime and and manga. Yeah. But why do they look the way they do? And and mm -hmm. doesn't Scarlett Johansson actually look like the character? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, that's the thing that it's it's further to be discussed. I will admit, like, it's it's over my head. I'm not an anime. I I like anime. I appreciate it, but mm -hmm. I'm not in it enough to know like the roots of it. And I do know like col colonization and like the Western vacation of pop culture in general. Like, this is this is also the thing. Like when uh, you know. Uh, like white media and white folks and in these institutions come out and like start with their uh, torches and pitchforks and saying, oh my gosh, the erasure of white characters and so on and so forth. <laughs> Do you not realize globally, every story is so catered to Western audiences. Mm -hmm. Like K-pop is the second highest generated, uh, or the Korean music industry in general is like the highest generated music industry outside of America. And their music is influenced by 2000s <laughs> American R&B and pop music. Just Backstreet Boys and Jay-Z. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. And, like, I mean, that's fine, I guess. But I, I saw a map the other day, and it was, like, it, it was cool because it was about how many regions of the world has been colonized before by mm -hmm. a, a Western... Um, European. European, like, uh, community settler or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was in green and then the rest were in red and the majority of the map was green and like i mean not to get into like a big history thing but like that that has a huge impact and ramification that's trickled down to today and it affects our storytelling mm -hmm. and i've come to realize like there i don't believe in the universal story anymore i i really i'm really all about like 
expressing differences now and like celebrating the things that used to divide us because now like the whole colorblind mentality that we were taught especially in the 90s growing up in the school system that i was like it doesn't matter where you come from <laughs> or who you are but like it kind of does man because mm -hmm. the way you and i grew up was incredibly different and our, it shaped the way our lives are now yeah and yeah. that's not being reflected in our art and art should be political it mm -hmm. should be blatantly like loud and like it should be saying something meaningful and this whole ghost in the shell business there there is a lot of complexity within <laughs> this argument but as as an american film catered to american audiences it's only catering to a sector of it mm -hmm. and it's ignoring the other and that's what hurts yeah and so I, I guess on a global level people might not understand outside of america but this is a huge american issue that's affecting folks like you and i mm -hmm. and that's something that shouldn't be ignored well you said a great thing there that it's celebrating the differences and your life story series is good for that mm. and in showing showing the differences but then realizing the similarities yes it's it's to go back to what marvel has done and they're missing an opportunity here by not branching out culturally in some some of their character in a lot of their characters yeah. because they do keep telling the same story over, mm -hmm. over and over again, but yeah. the minor differences in these stories is what makes them unique mm -hmm. and enjoyable. And I think you can, Doctor Strange at his surface is Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Like they have a very similar, they're cocky jerks who are destroyed by their own hubris and then spend their lives making up for that. Mm -hmm. That's the, basically the core of the characters. And, but instead of focusing on those similarities, it's the differences in them that make them unique and interesting stories to hear. Yeah. The, Iron Man suits the the villains of his own creation, uh, his relationships with the people around him. For Iron Man, makes him a unique character. Mm. Uh, Doctor Strange, it'll be a similar circumstance of it's not iron suits, it's magic, it's uh, being being crushed by your own hubris, and how do you make up for that for the rest of your life, and and losing everything and trying to regain it. Um, there's like an interesting story to be told there. Yes, um, but highlighting the differences of the inception folding city versus the 45 suits in 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> like, that's fun that's exciting that's good entertainment that's good fun mm. to be had in the theater um, but they are missing an opportunity by I, I do feel they're missing an opportunity by not casting danny rand as a, a chinese american uh by not casting um uh, the ancient one as michelle Yeoh. she's my she's, she's, <laughs> she's like, everybody she's my pick right now I think she would, that's she'd be perfect actually um but also just another thing like that's not depicted in the trailer is um his sidekick wong wong yes cast and like that's a totally problematic character he is <laughs> dr jones all over again and and i i was just picking up a dr strange book the other day in barnes and nobles just to just to see what it's all about mm -hmm. and wong was the first you know one that i flipped to and it he like was doing something for Stephen Strange, and then he followed it up by saying, "Yes, Master." Mm. And like this was a book printed in 2013. <laughs> I looked at, it, I was like, "There's no way." And so I'm just concerned, TC. Like, here's a missed yeah. opportunity with that character. Yeah, it's because the relationship between Stephen and Wong can can kind of be a Watson Sherlock relationship, mm. and it's not master servants. Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, contemporaries and equals. Mm. And uh, the I'll, I will say Nathan Bliss is gonna get say it again. His his fan fiction Stephen Strange. Wong's the main character. Well, Wong's the the narrator. He's uh, he is the the POV. He okay. tells the story of Stephen Strange. Yeah. And that's what Watson was to Sherlock. Sherlock mm -hmm. is the main character, but it's from Watson's point of view. And 
that makes the narrator the audience avatar. So yes. it would be wonderful if this movie would root the mo- root the story in Wong's pr- perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, but there's that's that's an opportunity to tell a story the same story again from a different perspective is like literally take the perspective away from the main character, <laughs> from the main character and tell it again. That would be fascinating. And um, I, I mean, I mentioned this about several other movies before, like I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be good. Cause it's, it's Marvel mm-hmm. just the same way I said about, I'm sure Netflix iron fist is good. Cause they have a good track record, but yeah. I'm not going to watch it. Cause that's, it's, I don't want to set that precedence that this is okay. Yeah. And yeah. like, this is the one thing that I'm continually disappointed in Marvel by is because they, they are the most powerful entity in entertainment, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to bend or take a risk. Yeah. They, they can afford to. Like Warner Brothers taking all these stupid, crazy risks, <laughs> and they have no precedence. They have yet to set the bar for themselves. They and cannot afford this. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But Marvel can't afford to do so, but I don't mm-hmm. understand why they're not. We're taking, it's taken, what, almost a decade to get a Black Panther movie going. And I think that even got pushed back too, like to twenty. It got bumped for Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Ah, <laughs> again. I'm throwing my hands up right now. <laughs> That's what that noise was. But <laughs> I would love to see them go to the point of, I'd love to see Sam Wilson's Captain America and Jane Foster's Thor, because that's what's in the comics right now. Yes. We got it. Falcon took over for Cap, hmm. and Jane took over for Thor. <laughs> like, do you think it'll happen? No, I I think the the possibility is there, and I think that especially already making announcements for phase four mm. having rumors of a an iron man four ha- being willing to take this to the next next phase uh they're they gotta stay fresh they gotta it's gonna almost turn into pixar in that you can do a, an original and a sequel like yeah. they have to do a trade-off mm. that, that was disney's precedent so then with marvel okay you have to do a sequel and a new character sequel and a new character you can have black panther but then i want another Thor hmm. and yeah okay you can do Iron Man 4 but I'd love to let's get another character in Captain America's spot hmm. let's have Falcon in there um, so I don't know I I want to be excited I want to be I, I am excited by the potential of what's there I just hold hope that they will take advantage of the power that they have yeah um, I mean morality aside I don't think that's something that ever comes into mind when they're discussing this mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, the the backlash to the main character of Rogue One. Yes, another girl. You're taking what, what, you know enough with this feminism <laughs> liberal agenda. <laughs> what happened to the male protagonist? Yes, that I is so laughable mm. when I see anyone. <laughs> when that when that trailer came out, I got tingles and chills for how cool it looked, and then immediately saw the comment section of like another female. Blah. It's like wow, you. <laughs> privileged white <laughs> ale <laughs> i couldn't believe it why are, what it it's the the thing is like everyone wants to match each other's outrage yeah. like one community's outrage makes sense and the others does not it's just to be contradictory you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's why that's why i got into argument with our friend about why johnny storm's black human torch is not the same as mm-hmm. casting a white iron fist because you have to look at these communities or these individuals as people, human beings, not subhumans, <laughs> as, you know, uh, separately. Because, yes, historically we have d- been dominated by white, straight, cisgendered, Christian males <laughs> as protagonists all the time. And then you get one female. Mm-hmm. And then why why is everyone losing their shit? Like, 
there, there is a reason there is it is fear you know what i mean like the fear of the different that's the whole american <laughs> horror story right there <laughs> and so i i don't know i am i'm concerned but i'm i'm thrilled that there's a platform for pushback now because mm -hmm. that whole ghost in the shell thing i'm so elated that beyond our community like everyone other allies just came like, together this and was is like, wrong no no and i hope that movie bombs tc because and, and just to just to go back to our conversation we talked about um off mic mm -hmm. julia roberts made three million dollars for four days of filming on mother's day and that movie bombed way to go i want someone like max landis to argue that about star power once more because i'm confused to why why we continue to say like oh or ma or make excuses to not hold scarlett johansson and uh is it sony that's distributing ghost in the shell yes. yeah just everyone involved why aren't we holding them accountable and saying instead of making excuses and saying well she's got the star power she's gonna bring in this money and this and that and mm -hmm. blah 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 and not accounting for like um just concept sell uh global market now china's China is like neck and neck of us right now. Mm -hmm. Not to say we need to cater to them or whatever, because China's still evil. <laughs> 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 They're still communists. But, <laughs> but it's that theory makes no sense. Like Mother's Day is star studded and no one saw it, TC. The, the star power is gone. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes me long for the former Hollywood studio system, the pre-Red Scare Hollywood system. Okay. Now, the former Hollywood system actually was a bad thing in a lot of respects. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend the old Hollywood system for some of the bad things they did. But the old Hollywood system was broken up by the companies. That's it. You mm -hmm. wanted to see a Paramount movie, you had to go to a Paramount theater. You wanted to see a Fox movie, you had to go to a Fox theater. Hmm. And those actors were contracted. Those actors and directors and gaffers, cinematographers, caterers, extras were contracted to the studio. And they were paid what every day, whether they worked or not. It's like, you are officially an extra for Paramount Studios. Here's your weekly paycheck. You will be in a movie one day. But you work for a company. You are our minion. Hmm. And the, what, what was offered there is that it was studio and star power in that it's like, oh, it's a Brad Pitt movie. That's a Fox movie. Fox makes quality. We're going to see a Fox movie. Yeah. If Marvel, like Marvel is essentially showing the studio system as it used to be again mm. by saying it's a Marvel movie. You don't need to know who's in it. You don't even know what the character is or anything like that. Just trust us. It's a Disney owned Marvel movie. Not, not Fox. But <laughs> and, and, and not Sony. It's Marvel. And that system weirdly offers I, th I think and i'm kind of just like shooting off the hip here hmm. that would offer more opportunity for diversity if it was i don't know if i'm trying to if i'm if i'm making my point eloquently here but it's i can see how like that gives that gives the distributors some because i feel like a lot of a lot of scare casting, like casting a Scarlett Johansson, is mm -hmm. out of fear. There you out go. of fear of losing money and stuff like that. Because Ghost in the Shell is a tough sell, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know even if Scarlett Johansson and her star power can sell that movie. Well, the the yeah. star power star power is dead. Yeah, there is maybe a dozen stars left that mm. can sell a movie just on their name. Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. But no, not even Robert Downey Jr. The Judge didn't do well. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that and that uh, Bradley Cooper does mm. not have star power because his movie. His chef movie, I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> burnt? Burnt, burnt. <laughs> failed. Sandra, Sandra Bullock, no star power. Yeah. Her her movie failed. Mm. 
Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. <laughs> Clearly the entire movie of, of Mother's Day yeah. not built on Star Power. <laughs> so. I, I think it's taking chances that are going to bring people in. Yeah. That's that's the key. You know, you want to know one of the main reasons people are going to go see Suicide Squad? Because they cast Jared Leto as Joker. That's mm. it. That's not star power. That's morbid curiosity. <laughs> no one's going to see Will Smith. No mm. one's going to see... J- Jai Courtney. Okay. <laughs> People are going to go see Suicide Squad for Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn because mm. Harley Quinn is such a pop cultural touchstone. Yeah. And to go see another Joker mm. out of complete morbid curiosity. Yeah. Not and, because people love Jared Leto. Uh-huh. And not because people love the characters. It's, oh, I got to see this. And the marketing was just his face. Like, they didn't have to say the Joker and the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's just here's the joker yeah but it's taking those risks that are going to bring people in Mm -hmm. if they really wanted to cast ghost in the shell make a big damn deal out of the fact that you cast the girl from freaking pacific rim who would be freaking perfect for the role she looks exactly she looks exactly like her (laughs) you know that's the key right there yeah to to raise the flag of we're taking a damn chance here Mm. come see our movie yes you don't vie for doing what everyone else is doing Warner Brothers, Zack mm. Snyder, freaking Batman v Superman. It's like, no. You know why people are going to go see Rogue One? A, it's Star Wars. Mm. It's coming off the heat of, of Force Awakens. And it's a female main character. That's one of the reasons people want to see the movie. Yes. I, I could be wrong. Mm. I could be wrong. But I seen a, uh, that cast. Remember when they first did the cast image? Yeah. It was, uh, who's in that? We got Forrest Whitaker. We have uh, Danny... Uh, uh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Um, I'm like, other... Other Asian guy from <laughs> from Sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> like like look at this cast. This is so cool. <laughs> like, like that made me want to see it. I think taking risks. I think people need to take more risks and suffer the consequences if those risks fail. But be yeah. but be respected for taking the chances. There needs to there needs to be a system of accountability because I I think. Like that fear is so heavy and it weighs so heavy on these execs or whoever greenlights these movies and the people that work on the film mm. is because they're essentially freelancers, you know what I mean? Like you could be one and done like that. If you bomb, no one's gonna hire you again, you know what I mean? So yeah. like uh, the the way Tim's the... story. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Like the way everything's set up right now is like there there is no risk taking allowed. Mm-hmm. Like you you play it safe or it's your job. It's your head, you know what I mean? Like Everyone that worked on Deadpool basically lost their jobs until someone geniusly leaked the footage. Yeah. <laughs> that was like an anomaly. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean. It, it was taking a risk, and it was taking a, a risk worth ta- It was a risk worth taking. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <sighs> there just needs to be more, well, obviously it's a systemic problem, and there needs to be more, like, willfully, purposefully um, progressive thinkers mm-hmm. and people who are conscious about these issues and wanting to represent uh, underrepresented communities and tell different stories to be within that system and dismantle it because there's no way to do it from right now. Even from the outside, like, yeah, there'll be a indie here and indie there that might blow up, but, mm-hmm. like, there's 500 other indies that no one watched. Yeah, like, that's... I saw Green Room last week and was the theater was filled with me and another guy. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I saw that uh, Richard Linklater movie. That, uh, that everybody one, wants some, right? Yeah, and that was a decent movie, and no one watched that either. I was just like, this is Richard Linklater! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes back to Spielberg almost had to make Lincoln on TV. Because yeah. Because no one wanted it. And Spielberg! That's, that's crazy! Yeah, what's that's crazy? What a weird, weird time we live in. It's, we, uh, we live in some of the best media, hmm. and also some of the most bland media. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think that's the thing, TC. Like, film... 
is a dinosaur now. It's uh, like TV and alt media, like well, the internet. And st- yeah. Yeah. That is what. Okay. So I, there's a. I watched a great little mini documentary on the serial hmm. from Dickens to Star Wars. Yeah. That was the name of the documentary. And it was how the serialized story blew up in uh, in Charles Dickens' era. It was like, okay, how do we get people to read? How do we get people to invest in our stories? Uh, we've got to give them pieces of it yeah, so that they keep coming back for more. The to be continued. Until next time, same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> like that, Charles Dickens started his career writing serials, mm. and then you get like the, the Buck Rogers, and then you go into Star Wars. That's what Marvel's doing. Marvel yeah. is telling the most expensive... Ex- ex- uh, all-encompassing tv show ever yes that's what they've given us we are watching episode 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 avengers is the season finale Mm. episode that's what the phases are these are seasons and surely someone was sitting in a room going tv is the way to do things now how do we do tv on the big screen yeah it's more than franchising it's more than part one part two part three it's having a bible that we will stick to in play in this sandbox Mm. And how and and connecting the dots. I'm just using three, five, four, sixteen me- metaphors here to take my <laughs> point. But that's what they're doing. The serialization uh. of of movies is what's working, and where everyone else is failing it. Yeah. Because it's it's trying to catch up. Yeah. Instead of sit down, quiet. We're gonna take years to figure this out. And not only catching up, like copycatting and carbon copying. Because <laughs> like I said, Marvel <laughs> has proved. Hey, here's a formula you can all fail. Exactly. <laughs> the the great thing is about that formula is marvel got there first they're the one who created it they innovated and whatnot like feel how you ever you feel about that the movies like the formula they got there first Mm -hmm. and the fact that everyone's trying to mimic it rather than create their own is the problem and (laughs) and why was it a success because it was a gigantic risk yes yeah and they took a chance on iron man Mm -hmm. and hulk those were the two starting points uh, Iron Man. No one knew who Iron Man was 10 years ago. And if you do, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and Hulk, which was one of the biggest critically bashed movies. That was only Hulk. five years before yeah. prior to. Before Incredible Hulk. Yeah. That was a huge risk with a gigantic payoff. Mm. And that what need, that needs to happen more in the storytelling, in the tone, in the structure, and especially the casting. Yes. Robert Downey Jr. was a risk. Paramount made him audition. Mm. Robert Downey Jr. hadn't auditioned for a movie in 20 years. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating that, but he had to audition. Yeah. Favreau wanted, he's like, there's no one, you have to take a risk on Downey Jr. No, we can't. <laughs> he's a drug-addled, washed-up hack. Mm. Of a, no, he is Tony Stark. Take the chance. Take the risk worth taking. Yeah. And they took it. Mm-hmm. The risks need to be taken because it's the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that feel so sensual? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I totally agree, man. Like, and it's not only that; it's who's who's willing to take these risks. Who mm-hmm. are these people behind these decisions? You know what I mean? Like, is it like there are they all in black robes and behind this shadowy door? You know what I mean? Like, they need to be exposed. We need to know who these people are. TZ. Who is the man behind the curtain? <laughs> <laughs> I. I am hopeful, especially since, like, just 
particularly in my community, the Asian American demographic and the buying power is the fastest rising in terms of money and spending and, and diabetes and, and diabetes. Mm -hmm. That's super sad. <laughs> <laughs> and just in numbers, man, we're just like the fastest rising minority group. And there, there's going to be coming, especially with China overseas overlooking at us, like breathing down our necks, being the second largest, closing in on being the largest movie uh, market. That's why Transformers is making all those money. They're making China money. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not watching it over here. <laughs> but it's it's that that like the more or I think I feel like we're gonna see less of this. I I'm, I don't know. It's just like a it's just a feeling. I have no concrete reason to think so because <laughs> it continues to happen. But I feel like we're going to see less of this because people were people were fed up, man. Like the Ghost in the Shell was a great tipping point. I think. Yeah, the, and, and it's crazy because. In the community, we, we were talking about that for months, and then the still came out, and then everyone was like, Wah, this is still happening. <laughs> what happened to the petition? <laughs> and so, I don't know. I, I feel, <clears throat> I don't know what it's like growing up for you and seeing someone on screen and then being really excited about it because, you're, hey, that guy's me. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had it maybe, like, five times in the span of K through 12. And, like, you don't know, like, the the incredible sheer overwhelming emotional power that it is when you just it's it sounds stupid it's it seriously it's, sounds stupid because no, it's like a, i see what you're saying to connect to something yeah so perfectly yeah. and like just put business aside numbers aside i know that's like the main thing everyone talks about when it comes to representation but like just on an emotional personal intimate level mm -hmm. it's just so important especially for like kids growing up or like adults kind of fully forming their own identities right now mm -hmm. like you don't want to grow up questioning who you are especially being like a stranger in a strange land yeah. constantly, you know, like it, it's just super different. I, I don't know what, if that makes what any what sense. What does it say? <laughs> this is actually a great segue to get, I mean, we've been talking for well over an hour, but, uh, but it's a great segue. <laughs> what does it say about me that, and this is kind of silly, but the characters that I connected with and pretended to be running around in my backyard was Darkwing Duck mm. and, um, Bugs Bunny. Like, I, I connected to anthropomorphic <laughs> characters. <laughs> well, is that weird? I mean, what does that say that I... I'm sure I loved Marty McFly. Yeah. Uh, I liked Superman, but I didn't think I could be him. I, I liked Indiana Jones, but I didn't think I could be him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's weird. I, I'm thinking about it loud. It's like I connected to cartoons more than anything growing up. Maybe it's a personality. Maybe. Yeah. The, and then the from film, the stuff that I connected to on maybe a, a subconscious emotional level were like the women in, yeah. in like Marion from uh, from Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Lois from from uh, Superman. Mm. Like weirdly, those are the first things I think of. Is like, what character in film did you connect with? Well, cartoons and the women. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> yes, now I totally get it. And. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're talking about seeing seeing your representation on screen and having a connection to it and how powerful that can be. Yeah, and just to segue into cartoons as well, that's that's where I saw most of my representation actually was they were all called cartoons mm -hmm. because I feel like less of a risk when it comes to cartoons. Like you don't need a name. Yeah. You just need the brand like Animaniacs, <laughs> Tiny Toons, Batman the Animated Series, like all the greatest cartoons you don't – like unless you're a super uber fan, you don't know who the actors are. Mm -hmm. No one knows who Kevin Conroy is. No, no. <laughs> he's no, not a household name. It's, it's not exactly common knowledge that Luke Skywalker is the Joker. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. when it, in our people, circle it is, but yeah, and people still are shocked to this day. They're like, "What? No way!" <laughs> and so uh, maybe, maybe just to like a little, little sprinkle on this subject here. Um, 
I mean, that's why animation is such an empowering uh, medium because mm-hmm. you got the escapism element, but you also got the truthful element. That's what, something I really appreciate about something like an American show like Avatar: The Last Airbender or Legend of Korra. Like, it's it's not strictly an Asian show or an Asian American show. It's created by two white dudes. Yeah, but they really respected. Uh, the roots. Eastern culture and mm-hmm. the roots of it without being Orientalist, without having yellow fever, yeah. being, being like that nerdy guy with, want to <laughs> check out my samurai sword? I'm really into Asian girls and stuff like that. that. You know, that creepy guy that we all have been friends with uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who dresses in a kimono all the time. <laughs> uh, like Kung Fu Panda did a, did a I'm going to say, semi-respectful job mm. in their presentation absolutely uh, but yeah. just not their voice casting <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, there's a sensitivity to it without being um mickey rooney <laughs> yes mr rest in peace <laughs> um so well, i mean wow we got i i knew that would initiate a pretty deep conversation i'm sorry anyone no, no don't apologize I, I did that intentionally because i know we we could get we could just scratch the surface of yeah. of this topic uh, anyone listening for the first time is like, when do they start talking about Animaniacs? Uh, and we will get I'm to here that. for Animaniacs. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that right now. So, I'm so uh, sorry. Stop apologizing. I, I initiated this conversation. And I'm going I'm, to, you know what, I'm going to keep it going. Before I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I just was thinking about Batman the Animated Series. I like that my 12-year-old nephew, when he saw Ryan Reynolds cast as Green Lantern, would go, I thought he was black. Yes. And he grew up. He grew up knowing John Stewart from the Justice League series. Yeah, I like that people argue that Lex Luthor was black in the animated Superman series, or Harvey Dent, or Harvey Dent yeah. was in the Batman series. I still don't know. Yeah, and, <laughs> and who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Like it's fine. It's a. Uh, it, but it's it's it was an interesting color palette choice that they picked, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe he is just really tan. But <laughs> it was, it's just nice. He that, likes the Bahamas, uh, or like gargoyles being being a a Latino half Latino half black. Uh, Elisa, yeah, and Keith David playing Goliath, which is might makes him a black character, which is really cool. It says something deeper too, like um, just sur- superficially, mm-hmm. like that's cool. You're like, yeah, black guy, <laughs> but then um, on a subtextual level, you get something that you might not have gotten if that were that were a white protagonist. Yeah, and I that's mean, not to like discount white stories, but there's just needs to be space for these other stories to be told. TC, mm-hmm. oh man, you can yeah. really dig deep into like a like a very it's it's not just an Apple analysis of gargoyles <laughs> being like. Well, you uh, sent me that really great analysis on gargoyles that one time from this black blog. I forgot what it was called, yep. but that was really like mind blowing because I never <laughs> thought about that either. But I always felt it. You know what I mean? Like you feel these things growing up, but you never had the words or the intelligence to put it the two and two together mm-hmm. until you're older, and that's why it's such. A meaningful, especially with an animation. Like, yeah. I know someone was arguing with me, like, it's just a kid's show. It's just a cartoon. Why Why do you care so much? Yeah, sure. Superficially, but, I'm an adult. I shouldn't right. care about a cartoon. But, but, but yes, you're right. Gargoyles, Avatar. Okay, you can call those kids shows all they want. But yeah. they're not written or made by kids. Yeah. They are made by intelligent adults. Absolutely. <laughs> who, who know what they're doing. Who know what they're doing. <laughs> and are certainly making choices that are, I mean, Korra's uh, homosexuality. Yeah, as a subtext, very and, interesting. Well, is is super progressive, mm. and it wasn't in your face, and it was there, and if you could see it, it was there. It made sense. Yeah, it was through and through the entire series. Like, <laughs> it it was very subtle to the point where when you when you initially I was like, wait, what? This is left field. But then I thought about it, and then have it you seen this, Candace? Have you seen Corey yet? <gasps> oh my gosh, I was spoiling. <laughs> 
Well, anyhow, it's yeah. it's the power of of that media and and whatnot. And and we're gonna get a little lighter now. We're gonna talk about Animaniacs and and move away from this more. Social, Animaniacs represents social, communism. So social soci sociological political conversation we've been having for mm. the past hour, which is fantastic conversation. And I hope that anyone listening would have have that might have some commentary about this. Please share it. I, you know, every perspective is welcome in initiating more conversation about this but uh, absolutely and i, I just want to say like i want to be thankful to folks like tc because like it's great it's great having you as an ally tc because i don't <laughs> i get tired of having to defend this with people and it, it doesn't matter what race they are i just constantly have to defend it and like i remember like a really pow- powerful conversation we had last year where you were saying well i'm i'm white and most of my friends are white and i tell white stories like am i doing something wrong is there something wrong with me and i and I, I love that we're having this conversation because you're questioning your own identity. And this is the first time that white Americans are being put on the burner <laughs> about it. And it's not like a bad thing. It's yeah. not a bad thing. It's fine. <laughs> Andrew Jackson was a terrible human being. We can take him off the 20. No one's taking your whiteness away. <laughs> but he's still on the back. <laughs> but, I mean, just to wrap it up, it's just it's great to have a space for this. And you're providing a service for all of us. And it's oh, a great well, thing. Like, it's I, a beautiful thing. Like, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Like, identity is a powerful thing. An apple's just an apple, Ben. I'm just struggling with my own identity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. even know what that means. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you off my <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. For those of you who might be listening, wondering when the hell we're going to start talking about <laughs> cartoons, we're going to talk about when we come back. Animaniacs is available streaming on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, if you if you, you just pop in a random episode, reappreciate the series, or if you've never seen the show, seriously, go take a look and, and, and you'll – You'll you'll find an appreciation, I hope, for what we're about to be talking, uh, what we're about to talk, what we are about to talk about, what we're. There's baloney in our slacks. I'm, I'm, I'm broken, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> You're a broken, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll take a quick break here. Hop on to Netflix or you know go on to YouTube. There's clips as well. <laughs> and Vimeo has full episodes. You, you pirates. Can find it, so. <laughs> All right, uh, enjoy this funny song. We'll be right back. <laughs> And now, the nations of the world, brought to you by Yakko Warner. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too. Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guyana, and still. Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil. Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan. Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam. Norway and Sweden and Iceland and Finland and Germany now hold one piece. Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey and Greece. Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman. Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq and Iran. There's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Yemen, Kuwait and Bahrain. The Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium and Portugal, France, England, Denmark and Spain. India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, and China, Korea, Japan. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan. Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, and Borneo, and Vietnam. Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana. Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana. 
Uganda, Lesotho, and Malawi, Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Chad, and Liberia, Egypt, Benin, and Gabon, Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, and Mali, Sierra Leone, and Algier, Dahomey, Namibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Congo, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mayor, and Cayman, Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia. Cream, Mauritania, then Transylvania, Monaco, Lichtenstein, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan. And we're back. There we go. And there's baloney in our flags. <laughs> there's baloney in our flags. Totally insane, Ben. All right, so Animaniacs. Um, yeah, where to begin? Now, did you watch Animaniacs when you were little? Heck like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I grew up on Warner Brothers Animation. It was this, Freezoid, Tiny Toons, and of course, Batman the Animated Series. Of course. Oh my gosh, the... I just went. Um, oh, my cat's in the front here. I just noticed them. Uh, the when this first aired, I can remember immediately falling in love with it. Yeah. I think like just immediately. I I don't. I think somehow I caught the first episode. Maybe they like promoted enough on like the Fox Afternoon Kids block that I was prepared for it. But 1990. What was it? 90. What is it? 93. 1993 to Three. 1998. Good run. Yeah. Um, and Animaniacs is the goofy, the trio. They were they were created in the 1920s, but they were too zany, so they were locked in the water tower at Warner Brothers Studios, and, t- and then they escaped. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, just I I got the DVD sets for Christmas over the course of some years, and it was something that I would return to just whenever I needed a, a pick-me-up. And as soon as it popped up on Netflix a few weeks ago, I was like, <gasps> everyone stop what you're doing, Animaniacs is on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, it's one of my most shared and liked. You do a social commentary post that's shared 800 times. I tell everyone Animaniacs is on Netflix, and it gets a few hundred shares. Yes. <laughs> I guess that shows the kind of people we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Yakko, Wacko Dot, obviously, right, right. The Warner sister, the, Warner, the War- Warner brothers, and their Warner sister dot, and you got uh, Pinky and the Brain, who end up getting their own show. Yes, weirdly, uh, you got Slappy the Squirrel with Skippy the Squirrel, the Good Feathers, <laughs> <laughs> Rita and Runtz. Um, well, there was the uh, hippos, the hippos, uh, Buttons and Mindy, Minerva, Minerva Mink, who didn't have too many episodes, but she is in the opening credits. Uh, Chicken Boo. Chicken boo. What's the talk about the same joke every time? <laughs> but always funny. Always There's always funny. the one person. I'm telling you, he's a giant chicken. <laughs> and it takes him losing the wig for everyone to go. Hey, you are a giant chicken. Because you're not a man, you're a chicken boo. <laughs> so we just re- watched three random episodes. We watched my favorites, which you just were like, this is going on way too long. <laughs> I don't care. It's Slappy at Woodstock. And they do the whole who's on first bit. <laughs> but instead of who's on first, it's who's on stage. Because yeah. it's Woodstock and the who's playing. And it's like, it's like, yes. No, do you know the name of the band? Yes, the band on stage. Yeah, who? Who? The band. <laughs> You're doing that owl thing again. Who's on first is your favorite comedy bit. <laughs> Dude, have you watched that comedy bit anytime recently? No, I have not. It is faster than any comedy. Like, it's too fast. Like, the way comedy is paced now the vaudeville speed of comedy is completely different and mm. the fact that people could follow it back then is pretty incredible <laughs> <laughs> so but oh man the hand-drawn animation this is the brainchild of steven spielberg um 
I, I'm surprised how much there's education, like educational stuff within this cartoon. Not all the bits. Obviously, they're just wackiness sometimes. Total utter nonsense. Yeah, just complete, <laughs> complete utter nonsense. But I know that Stradivarius violins are made with cats, cat mm-hmm. intestines, because Rita and Rutt did a whole thing about Stradivarius violins. Yes. Um, Beethoven's a character. Einstein has an episode. Um you you mentioned there was an episode that's not even it's or a, a bit that was not even funny it was dramatic yes so generally how these three or these uh, anime animaniac episodes are split into three parts mm-hmm. you get like the core animaniac story a uh, a, a secondary story with like those secondary characters you just mentioned mm-hmm. and then some offshoot short and mm-hmm. this one was like a minute long it was about a candle uh, flickering at night and how the candle's job is to keep Paul Revere. You know what? Awake. I'm remembering it now. Yes, I'm remembering it because he. Yeah, I can totally imagine. I'm picturing it because you asked me when we were watching it, and I didn't. But yes. now, now that it's it's come back to me, it was so fascinating because it wasn't like wacky at all. It was mm-hmm. actually pretty serious, and it was about how Paul Revere first wrote his. Um, I forgot what it was. The, it's not a book. One if by land, two if by sea. Manifesto. I uh, think so. Yeah, <laughs> it was that. <laughs> was it? Was it? Uh, was it Paul Revere's writer? Or was it Thomas Jefferson writing the Declaration of Independence? There might have been one of that, too. Okay, right. It was the Paul Revere's ride that I read. Okay. Or watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was through the, the point of view of a, of a candle, candlelight. <laughs> it was like a fly on the wall type of thing. It was really cool. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And, like, the so the hand-drawn animation, the live orchestra, um, the throwbacks constantly to not only classic Looney Tunes, but just classic Hollywood. Yeah, they're, studio system stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the pay-for-play contracts. <laughs> there, there are jokes in here that are so over my head even now. I can't imagine I, I was so amused by them back in the day. Like yeah. doing a Humphrey Bogart joke or a Jimmy Durante joke <laughs> in the 90s yeah. was already 40 years past date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. It's a really cool way to keep kids in touch with like classic Americana mm-hmm. and, like, cla- and keep them cultured and stuff because like – I was doing those bits on the playground. I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the the and the education aspect of it, like the state capital song by mm. Wacko, um, the countries of the world, all the presidents, all the presidents, all the planets. It's just great. I mean, like I, I had an album of of their music. Yeah. Wait, over a hundred, like 93, 93 episodes, over a hundred original songs, and that trio, the voice actors, was responsible for nearly every bit of singing and then you have Bernadette Peters doing uh, Rita yeah um, Rita's the cat Rob Paulson Jess Harnell and Tress McNeil mm-hmm. were the trio of Wacko Yakko and Dot uh, one of my favorite Rob Paulson moments is he's being interviewed about Animaniacs and I think this was post Animaniacs but someone asked him about this, the the countries of the world song like did he have to memorize it uh, or did they break it into parts because they just assumed okay you did a bit at a time mm-hmm. and his answer was United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic of Dominican, Cuba, and he did the whole song right there on the spot, which was years after the fact. I mean, I guess if you had to memorize that many countries, you would remember that song. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. I'm trying to find his IMDb to see. I mean, he's done All three of them were incredible. super prolific. Oh, Tress McNeil, I mean, yeah. uh, Simpsons, um, to name one. Yeah. She's everywhere. She's like everyone on The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> did she pass away she was miss Krabappel, wasn't she i think she did yeah yeah, yeah. um she was babs too <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was an episode of tiny tunes where i remember they go to there was three fox black and white old cartoony fox characters mm. that 
uh, Dot was trying to find her mentor. Because, or not Dot, I'm sorry, Babs was trying to find her mentor because Buster has Bugs, Plucky has Staffy, every character on the show had their uh, their adult version, right? Yeah. And Babs didn't have anyone, so she like sought out her mentor and uncovered these old black and white um, cartoon characters, which they were foxes, but they were definitely had to have been the inspiration for what Yakko Yakko and Dot ended up being. Yeah. Um, I can just remember like Babs going out of her way to like uncover all these movies and build a new studio to play them and no one showing up and then <laughs> and then everyone does show up and starts laughing and there's this little old lady who's there who grows youthful and turns back into that character because laughter is what keeps cartoons y- young. <laughs> um, it's so much there's so much depth <laughs> to these cartoons like I don't know. We we like to joke around and say, "Oh yeah, those that was good for a laugh." Whatever. <laughs> but there's so much that you take away from these, whether it is like from an educational standpoint or from like a novelty reference standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, that's just really it's like nice sentimental nostalgia that's not dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they, okay, so, but now let's talk about what they did on this show. Right off the bat, you yeah. were like, I "Can't believe they say insane." <laughs> it's it's weird, like going back to watch. Um, 90s stuff because mm-hmm. like you would think i mean because you and i we both grew up in the 90s and like we kind of consider that to be like oh that's yesterday mm-hmm. that's, it wasn't that long ago but when revisiting shows that came from that era it's kind of strange to see some insensitivities <laughs> pop up like like friends like there was a really you know horrendous gay bit in one of the first seasons and i was uh, like whoa i know that ross <laughs> didn't, didn't want freddie prince jr to be his nanny because it's weird. Uh, <laughs> a guy nanny. Yeah. <laughs> Times they are a changing. It's so strange, but it's neat to see it as a time capsule. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, that was what the times were like. <laughs> now, it's not just the, the fact that they're insane and, and being called insane all the time. They're just, you know, the psychiatrist, Dr. Scratch and Sniff, the P psychiatrist, mm-hmm. is trying to figure out their problems. But the, the rampant. Uh, sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, nurse. Just like a dot throwing herself at Mel Gibson, kissing him, kissing him, and they're always ki- they're just always. <laughs> you know, if I if I really taken lessons from Animaniacs, I would think that you could solve any problem by kissing someone. <laughs> Which true story. Uh, I was bullied a bit in hmm. my high school in my youth. And there was a time, there was this guy, every time he saw me. Did I tell you this story? I love every this story. Time, <laughs> every time this dude saw me. And this guy was a football player, wrestler, who grew up to be an MMA fighter. Every day he saw me in the hallways, he had to, and I apologize, but for the point of the story, he would say, he would call me a fag. Hmm. Every time he saw me, he'd just scream, yell at me, like that, nah. and I just, you know lowered my head and walked on just like what a jerk what a jerk and i was crossing the parking lot on, on a, to go home one day after school and he's in his car and he's and i just i just stopped i turned i threw up my arms and looked at him and just with a with a gesture that said let's do this hmm. just and he oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do this <laughs> and he gets out of the car he comes storming over me and he's in my you want to fight this is looking too fast and i just stood there I just stood there and let him take it. Didn't move from my spot. Planted my feet. Stayed perfectly stayed. My friend Tim came running over like, DC, I'll help you. And then one of the other football players grabbed him and was like, let him work it out. <laughs> and, um, Daddy Tim. Just screaming in my face. This guy's spitting mad at me for for just being a bully. He mm. was just a bully. I was a, and I just, and the whole time he's sitting there screaming in my face. All I could think was, 
could totally kiss him right now. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if I just kissed him on the nose because he was right there. He was shorter than me too, just by a little bit. And he was that close. And, and that was the thought going through my head. like, I should just... <laughs> I would be dead and I would not be here to tell the tale about it. But And then he finally walked away. And then I moved from my spot and I had like a small victory. Like, I planted my feet and didn't move. I win this round. <laughs> <laughs> But it's 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 good thing that I did not uh, do that. But uh, if I had been a, a Warner brother or a Warner sister, I would have been. Oh, what are you mad about? <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> good night, good night, everybody. everybody. <laughs> Rest in peace, TC. <laughs> <laughs> he lived as he died, <laughs> kissing someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, here's another interesting thing about about Animaniacs. If we want to dig a little deeper, the women represented on this show. So when I when I popped on episode one when it's, once it was on Netflix I just started watching it the first slappy episode came up, came and went and Candace was in the room and she kind of leaned over after the episode was over and was like now that's a strong female character yeah and and she's right slappy doesn't feel the need to be cute hmm. she doesn't feel the need to to be anything more than who she is yeah and she is a great example of a strong female <laughs> character in fact every female in Animaniacs is represented wonderfully yeah. Um, and every guy is minus not. the nurse. <laughs> no, because because even Hello Nurse uh, shows signs of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like she knows exactly. Because uh, uh, Minerva Mink would be kind of like the a, a greater example of what Hello Nurse is. But yeah. Hello Nurse is she's no dummy. And though they sexual uh, Wacko and Yakko sexual, sexualize her, no mm-hmm. one else does. Yeah. And and she's she's empowered in her sexuality, much like Minerva Mink is yeah. empowered in her sexuality. And She's objectified only by the Warner Brothers. That's it. Just those two dummies. Ah, okay. Scratch and sniff, the uh, and everybody else. They don't objectify her. <laughs> they treat her as an equal. There's that lit analysis. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's interesting. That yeah. uh, it's it's all the males on the on the show that are misrepresented, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or represented as goofballs, as yeah. fools. Every, all the males on the show are fools, except Chicken Boo. Chicken Boo is just absolute. He's, he's like, <laughs> he's Chicken Boo. We all know what he is. He's a chicken. He's a giant chicken. You're crazy. <laughs> he's, he's my hero. <laughs> God, that's my favorite sketch. <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> I, That's true. And I love that. And you can always tell when, I don't know if there's any women on the writing staff. But you can always tell a really well-written female character is when they're not overcompensating. Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like as as a guy, we tend to, if we want to make a strong female character mm-hmm. what, and whatnot, we tend to overcompensate or have the characters do something, like, ten times the amount of any other male character within the play or mm-hmm. within the, the show. And then that's how they make them strong or whatever. But, like, Slappy's an equal. Yeah, like <laughs> she's Slappy can stand toe to toe with any character with on Bugs. Show. Like Bugs Bunny and her could go toe to toe. Yeah, and they'd be friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting when you look at the classic Looney Tunes uh, over time, and and not over a long period of time, over a rather quick period of time, they they figured out who the characters were. Mm-hmm. Like Bugs and Daffy were remarkably similar at their starts. Yeah. But then they grew into the characters that they are, and interestingly, and they kind of follow the path of the Muppets in that they are characters who play characters. Yeah. There's Bugs the actor who portrays Bugs on the screen, Daffy the actor who plays Daffy on the screen. But Daffy became 
he will fight for everything. Like he is, he is so egotistical and so narcissistic, and it, and he demands the spotlight, and that's what gets the best of him. The original Daffy was the, <laughs> and it's funny that the the actor Daffy played that character in the past, and and, and Bugs never starts a fight. Hmm. Bugs always has to be instigated into a fight. Yeah. Of course, you realize this means war. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, if you look at like the works of Chuck Jones and the and the Looney Tunes animators followed those rules really well over the course of time. And it's a shame that I don't feel like Bugs and Daffy and the Looney Tunes have a place anymore. Yeah, it's it's gone the way of the Muppets in a way because like it's such a product of his time and like. I'm sure there's a way. I mean, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, good point. I don't know. It's, there's something about crowbarring a really classic, iconic uh, animated character into today's times. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like the the Muppets, that show, it's just very strange. It's just very strange to watch Kermit and uh, Miss Piggy talk about selfies. <laughs> like millennial things. Or when they're... how about the uh, the Powerpuff Girls are twerking on their new show? Did, did you know <laughs> that? I did not know that. Yeah, I'm, sa- I'm sad to say. Uh, is is Tartakovsky involved? I do not believe so, no. Oh, okay. That That's would, probably That why. would explain a lot. <laughs> that would explain a lot. <sighs> that, that says things. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's just something There's something strange about it. Like, like you mentioned, uh, Animaniacs, if, we, if it were to be rebooted. Um, just wouldn't make too much sense, you know what I mean? Like, because all the references that they they play to, it's, um, it's right of that time, of the '90s, of the classic Hollywood studio system. Um, I don't know. There's just not. <laughs> there, I don't know. If there's an interest. Yeah, I don't know if there's a place for it. And now you can look at something like, say, SpongeBob SquarePants, which has two part episodes. Like mm-hmm. they do the they they rarely the whole episode is about one thing. They do it in two parts. Yeah. It follows more of a classic mold, while using that. I mean, Ren and Stimpy pushed animation like SpongeBob and into what it is now, which is that kind of the, the minor gross-out humor, the more, um, I guess, potty humor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a pee fart and poop joke in. in <laughs> there's a shit joke. There's, there's, there's a shit joke. There's no lack of that, but um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, anim- animation now has grown upon the shoulders of Looney Tunes mm. and Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs and. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think there is a place for anime because you asked me right when we started watching the episodes today. You're like, "Hey, is this the next thing to get uh, rebooted?" No, I don't think. I don't think they could bring it back without yeah. without doing it a disservice. Because you look at uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Um, yeah, I can't remember what the other one was. There was there was two. There's the there's a Brendan Fraser one, and then wasn't there another more recent one? Maybe back in action was a reaction to Space Jam. But either way, yeah. it it feels sad and, mm-hmm. and tired. It feels like, oh, you guys are really trying to be hip and cool, but unfortunately they're not. At the same time, you can still watch Looney Tunes and Animaniacs and Tiny Tunes and those more... Keep, the further back you go, mm. those cartoons hold up remarkably well. Absolutely. Despite some of the dated references both <laughs> sociological and and pop cultural <laughs> <laughs> and bill clinton plays the sex yeah and, and the more racist humor of some of the old mgm warner brothers <laughs> cartoons but such is life oh it's um i think it serves as a good reminder of what not to do <laughs> <laughs> i do i do find that i get defensive when folks say you know oh 
the cartoons of yesteryears are so much better than today. Like I, I, re- I really tend to disagree with that because okay. like it has evolved a lot. I think cartoons. I don't want to say it's which is better because mm-hmm. like I'm I'm conditioned to Animaniacs. I am always going to be biased towards Animaniacs because it's <laughs> amazing and it's what I grew up with. But watching something like. Uh, regular show. Do you watch that show by any chance on uh, Network? That's the Blue Jay and the Owl. Right? Blue Jay and the uh, Raccoon. Raccoon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I've seen pieces of it. It's ridiculous. It's not like, <laughs> I want to say it's clever and it's witty, but mm-hmm. not smart. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I did see a new show that I, at, at its surface, wouldn't have even gave it a second thought, but yeah. I happened to catch it, was The, the Bears. Oh, we care bears, or no? The, the this the, the we ball, bear bears. We bear bears. <laughs> yeah, and I mean Dimitri Martin. Martin's one of the voices, Dimitri so like Martin. right off the bat, you kind of know the sort of humor you get into. Mm. And I was really impressed by <laughs> the very dry humor of it. Yeah, but it was good. It's very interesting. It's all like they, I mean, there's still phys- physical humor and stuff like that, but it's <laughs> it's evolved so much to the times that we're in now, and like. Yeah. Uh, reg- I mean, regular show is cool because they did an episode that was basically a limitless episode. <laughs> <laughs> really, like it's, they take something that makes them limitless. Yes, exactly. But it's it's something that they concocted for a summer drink. They're like, wait, how do we make this punch again? I don't know. Just throw everything in it, and then it just it starts to sparkle and starts to become like this acidic thing. And then they drink and they they start tripping out, and it's like a drug induced psychedelic episode. <laughs> like but they limitless. gain superpowers. It's oh so amazing. <laughs> It's it is fascinating to me that cartoons now are so they're so different than what cartoons were in the past, and I don't, and I don't it's they evolved with society, yeah. And I don't think there is a way to go back. I don't think you can. It hmm. oh okay, you can go back to the westerns, you can go back to the spy thrillers, you can you can constantly return to genres by doing movies that that throw back to those, but I don't think you can do that with cartoons. Yeah, that's. They are such time capsules of their era, and the truly great ones live on. Hmm. Like the Looney Tunes are still incredible. Animax is still really fun to watch. Yeah, um, if only to appreciate the hand drawn, but to appreciate the sharpness of the humor. We watched a silent episode. Yes, so one of the episodes was done in the classic twenties silent picture style. Um, no, no dialogue. It was brilliant, and it was great because yeah. it was all visual sight gags. Mm-hmm. Visual sight gags was redundant. I'm sorry. <laughs> to the eye gags. We we live in an animation era now. Of a, there's Adult Swim mm. and Nickelodeon and Disney still create their shows. PBS had like there's so many different facets of what animation can be used for now. You get yeah. something like Zootopia. You can get something like Space Chimps. Like <laughs> there's a different levels of complexity to them. Yeah. To pick a random stupid one. Um, <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's become, it's evolved to become much more complex. And um, like, I think Looney Tunes is something that's very complex visually, Mm -hmm. but as a story, it's point A to point B, Mm -hmm. which is nothing wrong at all. But like, maybe it's kind of flipped around a little bit because regular shows animate in a very crude way. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's memorable. I think that's the, that's the best thing about animation is it needs to be memorable. Like Mm -hmm. South Park, you would not say, that's like comparable to anything Monet painted, <laughs> <laughs> but like you, when you look at it, you're like, "That's South Park." Well, yeah, that's South Park, and that's great. And um, Simpsons, the Simpsons characters are the their color skin is yeah. their color because they're Asian. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's racist. Uh, Matt Groening wanted them to be that bright and colorful, so that if you were flipping channels, it would catch your eye and you'd stop. Oh wow! That's why they're yellow. I didn't even know that. Yep. 
That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been on for 25 years. So. Yes, they're still going, right? <laughs> yep, they're still That's going. Insane. Uh, you look at adult, there's a really great. I keep telling you about these mini documentaries I've been watching about filmmaking. Yeah. There's a fantastic one about the history of Adult Swim, mm. which I, you know, I I can remember Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I don't know if you watched watched it. You're probably just a little younger than. I always flipped through it. Yeah. Like I I watched whatever was before and after. I forgot, but it was like the was pot- Space Ghost. Like <laughs> yeah, it's Space Ghost Coast to Coast was the was the the beginning of the Adult Swim era, before Adult Swim existed, yeah. before Cartoon Network existed. Space I actually Go remember when Coast. Adult Swim watched. I think yeah. it was like in fourth, fifth grade or something like that. There's something in special about Adult Swim, and, I, and I, I will put the link to this documentary in the notes. So if you're listening to this online uh, over at Firmament, or if you caught it on Facebook, uh, click the link um, and, and watch this doc. It's only like 10 minutes long. It's mm. really fascinating to see the history of Adult Swim and what it means to pop culture and to a generation. Yeah. That it's what Adult Swim has done is found a way to be a voice, much like Looney, Tune, Looney Tunes had been, mm. and the and the classic Goofy cartoons had yeah. been, because those classic Looney Tunes and Goofy were not made for kids. No, like when you hear cartoons now, like cartoons are for kids. That yeah. seems to be like comic books are for kids. No, like classic Looney Tunes were met were put before features for adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were part of the newsreel cycle yeah. in old dime theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept that the concept that cartoons are are for kids was built upon the success of Disney's features. Yes. Before that, yes, certainly there were cartoons that were kid friendly, mm. but really they were just another way to tell vaudevillian style jokes that yes. fast punch, knock knock, who's there, chicken cross the road style humor, <laughs> <laughs> banana peels and pratfalls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I touched on this earlier before we took our break that I connected more with animation than I did with live action stuff growing up. Mm. And maybe it's because I, I, was an, I drew all the time. Yeah. I always was drawing in notebooks and whatnot. But uh, animation does offer itself, I don't know, a louder voice, more voices. Like Wacko is voiced by a black guy. Really? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. That's... that's an interesting little factoid that doesn't really mean anything because wacko mm. is wacko. Yeah. It's not the voice that is wacko. Mm. It's, it's, there, there are very few voice actors that are their characters. It's, the characters just have a voice that's They're similar. absolute, yeah. absolute, absolute. Yeah. So Je- Jess Harnell is the voice of wacko. Holy crap. <laughs> He's got I did dreads. not know that. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, why I think that's so important is like, like, yeah, it shapes the character and we don't think about that, but then. That's employment for someone who might not traditionally get employment for, I don't know, any role that he might not fit the bill or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Like, that's representation right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, Kevin Conroy is the greatest Batman and Bruce Wayne ever. Yeah. Oddly enough, he does look like maybe in his youth he could have been Batman. <laughs> that would have been rad. <laughs> or, or like Tara Strong mm-hmm. is Batgirl. Yeah. And she She'd make a good, actually, she'd make a good Harley Quinn by the look of her. Mm. But the voice actors, the look doesn't matter. Mm. That's why Mark Hamill is the best Joker, because yeah. he, he found Joker's voice. He looks like a bridge troll. <laughs> <laughs> He's very aged. <laughs> He's worked out now, but so he looks he looks good for The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, <he does. laughs> but have you seen him post Jay and Silent Bob? <laughs> oh, boy. It, it, was, it was not good. <laughs> well, he, he was in a car accident between New Hope and Empire. 
Really? They get facial reconstructive surgery. Oh, yeah, that's why he has scars in Empire. Empire, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're off topic. Um, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, what what's your favorite bit in Animaniacs? Like recurring bit, <laughs> chicken bit. Chicken, chicken <laughs> I just love how streamlined it is. Like when you when you do one joke over and over again, it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. That skill, it's you know how to operate in this in this space with nuance mm-hmm. and and intelligence. Like yeah, it's ridiculous, but in in a lot of ways, if I'm maybe I'm reading too into it too much, but it's like it's discrimination kind of on like a on a deeper subtextual level until you take off all the stuff that makes you blend in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you as a person? You're just or, a chicken. You're just a chicken. <laughs> you're not a cowboy. You're not a Viking. You're not a movie star. You're not You're not Elvis Presley. You're just a chicken. You're just a chicken. <laughs> Poor Chicken Boo. Wow. Chicken the, Boo. The, 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 the society crushing him down. He just, <laughs> he just wants to be someone. Just someone. More than a chicken. I'm telling you, he's a giant chicken. <laughs> There's something about that I always clung to, and um, and of course, good idea, bad idea. I love good idea, bad. Idea. I actually yeah. wrote a f- short film and named it "Good Idea, Bad Idea" <laughs> because of of the idea of like you could do it this way, yeah, or you could do it this way. That's, that's Mr. Skullhead. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, good idea, bad idea, and mime time. Uh, mime. Yes. Mime time. Mime time. Or mime time. It's. It's mime time. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's with the mime. And then that guy always gets something crushing. He goes, (laughs) boom. (laughs) It's a piano out of nowhere. (laughs) Every time. Or Dot's Poetry Corner. (laughs) 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 If anything, I I think I like all the little bits the most. Mm -hmm. That's why I take away. Wow, you know, it's very progressive of them to think this is decades before YouTube. Yes. The ADD Vine aspect. You could take... The 15 second bits that they did on uh, Animaniacs now, and it boom fits perfectly in the world now. Yeah. You know what? Maybe there is a way to bring Animaniacs back like that. Mm-hmm. Don't do a full show again. Don't do. Don't try to structure a film. Don't try to structure a series. Do a mini, like minis. Yeah. Like that. That's how the Animaniacs can come back because mm-hmm. those characters are all so complex. You can mm-hmm. do so much. Even if it is just the same thing over and over again, <laughs> like I mean, hell, a, having having a stormtrooper take his helmet off and be Chicken Boo, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's just Chicken Boo with a stormtrooper helmet, like Captain Phasma. It's like th- that's not Captain Phasma. I'm telling you, that's a giant chicken. <laughs> take him to the trash compact. Because <laughs> you're not a man, you're a Chicken Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Chicken Boo shirt. <laughs> um, and the good the good feathers being the good fellas. Yeah. What do you mean I'm not funny? <laughs> funny how? How am I funny? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. You're very amusing. That's it. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. It's such, it's like adult-oriented humor that's not necessarily tailored towards adults, but everyone can watch it. Yeah. It's like very inclusive in that way. It's it's why Pixar is so successful and why the current Disney movies uh, from Wreck-It Ralph to, to Frozen to uh, Zootopia. Did like you watch what? it yet? Zootopia? Yeah. Yes, I did. Did you did you like the Godfather bit? Oh my God. I liked the uh, Breaking Bad bit. Yes. Oh my gosh, I had uh, that was that had me on the floor. <laughs> uh, you know, we could talk about Zootopia in just a moment, but uh, the the adult humor, not being adult humor, right? But the not being like uh, crass. Crass. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's the putting a gag in there that works tenfold. That a toddler can laugh at it because it's colorful and kinetic. Mm. That a teenager can laugh at it because it references something they understand. 
or something they know. Yeah. And an adult can laugh at it because it's something they understand. Yeah. Like it, it, there's a layered humor like that is insanely difficult to mm. pull off. Um, but then just coming right down to a pratfall or an anvil crashing on the head, why does that work? <laughs> and it always works. I think it's because you're thinking about it so much because it's so thoughtful. And then something so <laughs> simple, it's like, oh, I should have known this entire time. It's like pulling the rug. <laughs> Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, hmm. to, to get back to the, the Animaniacs themselves, are jerks. <laughs> but they're not mean-spirited. They just don't. Like there's a there's one of the earliest episodes in the series is uh, um, German's gonna throw a party hmm. and every and like for in, for uh, foreign investors yeah and the foreign investors want everybody there everybody from Warner Brothers there which includes Yakko Wacko and Dot hmm. and so Doctor Scratch and Sniff has to teach them etiquette yeah in order to let them earn their way to the party and they just act like the crazy kids they are the entire time and the, the what every nearly every joke with scratch and sniff is they always take things literally yeah like draw me a letter draw me up i need you to draw me a bath so they draw a bath i need you to <laughs> fi- can you file these <laughs> done you know, I, they take it literally plant yourself on the couch <laughs> i said no more jokes it's not a joke it's a sight gag <laughs> you know it's and it's that taking everything literally it's just, but in in the etiquette uh, episode, they they just act like goofs, and he's like, "You're not learning anything from me. This is very disappointing." And they're like, "Well, of course you do." And then they sing a song of everything they know. Mm. Like, then why do you keep torturing me? Because we love you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're <laughs> they have to tell the joke. Mm. It's it's like Roger Rabbit when um. You've seen Roger Rabbit, yeah. of course. He's got the handcuff on, and they're trying to saw it off, and the box is moving, and, and he takes his his arm out of the handcuff and holds the box so Eddie can finish cutting. <laughs> and he's like, could you have taken your hand out of there the whole time? No, only when it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that cartoon logic is so classic and awesome. Cartoon Just... physics needs to be everywhere. <laughs> Draw me a door! <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and and I don't think there's enough. There are cartoons that do enough of that anymore. Yes, the, the straight up Looney Tunes hmm. comedy, bending physics. Yeah, and if if anyone could pull that off, it would be I think Pixar hmm. or or the current Disney or anything Laster was responsible for. I would love to see a contemporary made, sight gag heavy, classically animated style, animated movie like Lego Movie. Yeah, I guess Lego Movie would be, but but Lego Movie works in addition to its like psych eggs and whatnot. But the fact that it's the Lego bricks, okay. I, I'm talking about the rubber face, stretchy cartoon, infinite pocket yeah. style comedy. You're right. Yeah, I can't think of a contemporary film that does that. Mm-hmm. Cloudy kind of pushes it a little bit. Yeah, very <laughs> very punny. Yeah, um, that would be an interesting. It'd be it'd be fun to return to the form, but mm-hmm. animation has. We're, we've already discussed this multiple times, but the, the modern voice of animation. You can have the outlandish torture, uh, awkward humor that Adult Swim offers up with a lot of their stuff. <laughs> and there's a place for that. And you can have the over-the-line comedy that is Rick and Morty and Family Guy. Yeah. And that over the, there's a place for that as well. Mm. Like South Park built upon their over-the-line humor. But they found a, a very strong voice in messages. Mm. Like South Park... For those who don't watch South Park, like don't know how important that series is 
for messages. Yeah. It's not just a singing piece of poo. They discuss the politics of, of the election, they, racism. Uh, th- that show, South Park, has found a way to do the over-the-line humor and have a message to it. Mm. And Zootopia. Like, let's talk about Zootopia. That, wow. I, I, the messages in that movie, talking about gentrification and racism and prejudice. Oh Drug my trafficking. Drug trafficking. That's what got me the most because it was like, whoa, <laughs> this is what this whole movie is about the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Wow, is that movie great. Yeah. Uh, and it's so sharp and thoughtful. I, I will say I do think I like Wreck-It Ralph better. Yes. Um, I think I think Bryce Bryce said something to the line of um, our friend Bryce Marrero. Mm-hmm. Great, great movie reviewer. Great movie reviewer. Yeah, he where, said, where we take two and a half hours to sometimes make a point, that guy can do it in one pair. <laughs> <laughs> incredible, incredible. Um, he said something to the effect of, I may be butchering it, but um, that it – it was so focused in its themes that it didn't really construct an interesting story. And, like, I, I thought it was interesting because it was, like, a cartoon procedural. You don't see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting to the fact that Wreck-It Ralph was about, like, letting go of something. It was, like, it was very emotionally complex. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess we didn't get that impact in Zootopia. Right. Which, was, uh, which, which maybe makes Wreck-It Ralph a better film mm-hmm. uh, overall. Yeah. Well, interestingly... Uh, Zootopia wasn't supposed to be about Judy Hopps. Do you know this? Yes, it was yeah. about uh, Jason Bateman's character. Yeah, yeah. The, the fox whose name escapes me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in in the sketchy first, uh, very 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 rough viewings of what they were crafting, mm. people were connecting to Judy. And yeah. Laster was like, "Okay, we got to take it back, guys. Mm. We have to do some. Re- we have to switcheroo here," which is very. You know, we would talk about risks. Yeah. To to be willing to say this movie is not ready. Mm-hmm. We got to take it back to take it back to formula. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and worth it. Absolutely, it, um, I think it works much better mm-hmm. than having the kind of like condescending, uh, disenfranchised fox as the <laughs> lead protagonist. You needed someone who came from like, even though she was bullied, she was pretty privileged. Mm-hmm. She came from a community of other bunnies. There's represent bunny representation everywhere. Yeah, I mean, she had to fight and work hard to get where she got, but mm-hmm. like. Within her privileged upbringing, there they came bi- bias, like bias towards Fox and yeah. stuff like that. And so, that's something I don't think you could have pulled off of Fox, mm-hmm. being that foxes are predators and they're in power and stuff like that. So, um, I wonder at the end of the year if Finding Dory or Zootopia will, like, is there any other animated movie coming? I mean, surely, surely, there's other animated movies come out. But space com- Jumps too. But when it comes down to it, Space Jumps, uh, <laughs> Pixar and Disney, yeah, are they're the top banana for a reason but this might be the year where disney trumps pixar again the thing is though is this is so early in the year yeah. for for to even consider nominations mm. it, it certainly will be nominated I, i'd have no doubt zootopia yeah. is a masterful piece of animation uh, but finding dory seems to be the trump card mm. that uh, pixar they know what they're doing <laughs> they <laughs> they they have a formula that works for them and mm. not in a jaded way yeah i mean they they go on if you are a writer or a, a creator of stories, research Pixar's storytelling method. Mm. It is textbook 101 perfection. Yeah. Like how they structure character and plot is... Ah, yeah. Maestros! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and character and plot and, and the total package is what makes something last forever. Yes. That if it's just 
the pop culture references, mm. that's how you date a movie. So what better way to, to do pop culture references than do ones that are already dated when you come out with it? Yeah. I brought us back to Animaniacs. Shrek! <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly some great 90s references in there, like Michael Jackson jokes and uh, Mel Gibson mm. cameo and Batman, 1989 Batman. <laughs> like, but it's done in such a, like, a neat, timeless way where it doesn't it like it's only dated because you know it's from that date mm-hmm. but like just watching it i didn't feel it's not grown worthy like if i were to be watching shrek right because yes. it's not it's not crowbarred in there it's not like it's not shoving it down your throat hey this is 2001 <laughs> like okay as simple as this yeah brain mm-hmm. thinking the brain who is brain or or uh yep. orson welles yes. <laughs> right but who really knows that? Like, I yeah. mean, we know that because we're geeks, but no one would watch that and be like, I don't get this guy. I don't mm. get what he's all about. I'm taken out of the moment because of whatever impression he's doing. That's not the thing. Or yeah. like, uh, we watched the the piano one, right? There's the conductor yeah. or, the, or the piano player. That piano player might have been a reference. Mm. I don't know. I mean, either. <laughs> Did it ruin the story? No. No, didn't ruin, didn't ruin the short by yeah. scratching my head going, it didn't take me out of it. Absolutely. But you watch like, Hey, hey now, you're an all-star. <laughs> oh, an American Idol reference. Yeah, way to go, Shrek 2. <laughs> they, they just, like, cover all their bases, and they they do it in an intentional and thoughtful way. Like, story first, characters next, mm-hmm. and then sprinkling some references. <laughs> yeah, Not references first. Yep. What's hot right now? What can uh, we talk uh, about? <laughs> it's, yeah, that, and DreamWorks is crushed by that i yeah. feel and, and i don't think just dreamworks i think a lot of uh, the smaller studios like sky blue or blue sky how and... is ice age still a thing we're about yeah. to get our what fifth sixth ice age movie i'm shocked man because that that series has been around since i was in sixth grade i saw the trailer for it the other day and i was like wow <laughs> and there's and they're still doing the same thing another one <laughs> what's and you know to be fair what hmm. is the best part of the ice age movies scrap Yes. It's the squirrel and the acorn over and over and over again. Yeah. That's it. He's the chicken boo. That's, he's Wiley e. Coyote. He's Wiley e. Coyote. Like, yeah. And everything. Now try to remember anything. Do you remember the first one? They had a human baby that they were trying to get back to their Eskimo family. Yeah. What? Like, Super random. Remember that? That was the first movie. I, I remember liking the first movie, but it was a long, long time ago. Ice Age. Ice Age. <laughs> um, I, I guess this brings it to a, a, a neat conversation about today's animation. Um, I mean, st- we can talk about style. We can talk about storytelling mm-hmm. and other aesthetics. Um, are you CG burnt out? You Is know, there a way to do it where you're like, wow, that's actually beautifully animated? Yes. Uh, Tangled is a perfect example mm-hmm. of they didn't just CG a movie. They studied hand-painted techniques. Yes. They the entire movie, the strokes of the, the brush strokes of the movie are taken directly from painting strokes. Like mm. they painted the whole movie digitally. Yeah. And that's a very clever, clever way of doing that. Um, I to to kind of actually put some criticism towards Pixar is I'm I'm getting tired of their look of the human characters. Mm. They're all sort of started like. Elsa, being a Disney character, and Anna don't look that much different than the parents from Inside Out. 
Yes. They're, they're, but Frozen's Disney. I know. I said that. I okay. said El- Elsa and, Pix- and Anna being Disney proper, yeah. but it's still under the Disney umbrella. I know. There's two types of people in this world, Ben. <laughs> yes. There are people who know Pixar Universal, Blue Sky, Fox, uh, Disney proper, uh, Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> Armin. Blah, blah, blah. And then there's everyone who just says Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> you want to open the door for the cat, please? Yes. Archie, what are you meowing at? There you go, kitty. You idiot! Elsa's not a Pixar character. Go, kitty, go. Do your kitty things. <laughs> Good, Archie. Go there we go. Am I CG'd out? I'm I'm uh, lazy CG'd out. Lazy CG'd out. Yeah, I want... It's like the nut job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, Planet 51. Oh, God. Or Home. Home. And, and you know what? I Every now and then... I feel kind of a bit bad when we criticize films and whatnot because mm. hundreds of people work their asses off to make yeah. these movies. Um, but it it oftentimes feels a shame that they wasted their time. Yeah. To put so much time and energy into something and then it, it being just, mm, okay, mm. on to the next thing. I, I feel bad. I fear that. Yeah. I fear that all the work we've put into Princess Knight, that it'll be done, it'll be, oh, that's good, and then... Onto the next thing. It's like, oh man, that's so crushing. <laughs> and, and that's very, very, very pessimistic, and maybe a realistic way of looking at things. Mm. But there's something to be said about the inspired uh, movies. Yes, Anim- animated movies, all movies in general, but just animation in, in to to pinpoint something. Mm. Um, what, what other movies or what other cartoons were even being made in the '90s mm. that you could that 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 still hold a place. Um, Space Jam. Space Jam. Well, that's, that's, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> um, uh, 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 Tasmania. 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 Come to Tasmania. Yeah. Tasmania was a Fox Kids animated series about the Tasmanian devil in Australia, in the, the island ca- country of Tasmania. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I remember this. Yeah, but hmm. it's not memorable. No, it's not. It was. It why was it hmm. because there there was it, it obviously it wasn't memorable enough to for us to even to, for you to even remember it off the top of your yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. Because and it was coming and that was around the same era as uh, as Animaniacs, Disney in the afternoon. Hmm. You got uh, I could say Darkwing Duck. Yeah, you're nodding. Gargoyles. Gargoyles, right? Bonkers. Yes. Okay. The, the cat police, yeah, right? <laughs> Interestingly, it was meant to be a Roger Rabbit show, but Zemeckis wouldn't release the, the rights, mm. so they created the new character. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, mm-hmm. Tailspin. Uh, Goof Troop. Goof Troop. Now, and and it's we're working our way down the list here of like, oh, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, hell yes. Yeah. Rescue Rangers. <laughs> you can't even find Rescue Rangers. <laughs> um, gu- gummy Bears. What? What? What the heck is that? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna go one, one even further. The Wuzzles. Whoa. Yeah, okay. So you, That's new levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's there's something special about Animaniacs and mm. Tiny Toons and and you could you say Freakazoid, Freakazoid. and Gargoyles, Batman the Animated Series. There's something special about those. Eureka. Shows. <laughs> Eureka. You mean like Eureka's Castle? No. Do you remember the Purple Cat? The Purple Cat. I is don't. it Eureka? Oh no! It's Eek. Eek the cat. Eek, there you yeah. go. Oh, Eek the cat. I do remember Eek the cat. I've made your favorite room temperature tang. <laughs> so bizarre. I don't understand that show. <laughs> ah, real monsters. All real monsters. Doug. Oh man, you're taking me down right Doug. now. Doug. 
Doug. Remember Doug? Doug. Um, Angry Beavers. Um, cat Dog. Cat Dog. Uh, uh, cow Chicken. Cow and Chicken. Cow and Chicken. Yeah. Morocco's Modern Life. Morocco's Modern Life. Now, Morocco's Modern Life gave us SpongeBob because the Ooh. creator of SpongeBob started on Morocco's Modern Life. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Man, but gosh. it's it's those it's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have to wonder why some of these cartoons have sta- stood the test of time and why some of them have not mm-hmm. i'm rewatching watching Duck, uh, ducktales right now and, I'll, and uh, every other episode is kind of like a weak plot i guess like it's just sort of like mm, nothing ma- but then every other one they're fantastic yeah they're uh, disney disney realized instead of pumping out like Hanna-Barbera is just has an egregious amount of terrible (laughs) cartoons okay like the laziest reuse of animation same recycled frames yeah (laughs) Hanna-Barbera cartoons are I'm sorry if you're a Hanna-Barbera fan but they're the worst (laughs) Hong Kong Fooey oh boy Um, I don't know if I like any Hanna-Barbera because like people reference Jetsons or Flintstones mm -hmm. but I don't remember a time where I was like I need to watch Flintstones right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was is that those cartoons are, aren't even a product of our era. Those are products of the 60s and yes, the 70s. Yes, our parents' know, era. Yogi Bear and <laughs> hey, Huckleberry Hound, mm. Grape Ape. <laughs> what? Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Ooh. Stage left, even. <laughs> Gender fluid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Snagglepuss. <laughs> It really is. It really is something. I'm. I'm curious to those people listening if there's any of your favorite cartoons from your childhood that we didn't even mention, or that you that we did mention. You're like, what are you talking about? That show was great. Street Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as the movies we watch on this podcast, nostalgia can play a play a pretty strong component to why we remember things a certain way. I think cartoons are even even more uh, nostalgia based. Absolutely. Because it's that's probably because we were ki- and it's really because we were kids when yeah. we were watching them. It's the first thing I'd watch in the morning and the first thing I'd watch after school, after school and the yeah. last thing I watched for a good bit. Yeah. Like, um, like we didn't even mention superhero shows like oh. the Spider Man and the mm-hmm. X Men. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineties. Yeah. My uh, one minute rewatch next month is for X Men. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the the animation on those shows are bad. It's bad. Like that's why. I, I think Batman the Animated Series like it's it's untouchable in terms of superhero animated shows, but mm-hmm. like the the X Men show is still really good though. Yeah, um, having re- reviewed it and you can see my one minute rewatch, the animation actually holds up pretty nicely mm. um, because it's hand drawn. Yeah, <laughs> there really is something about that human touch that mm-hmm. really takes takes a takes a product to a whole new level. There's a great side by side. You can Google it. It's the original opening sequence of The Simpsons and the current one. Mm. And what's lost in the digital version versus the hand-drawn one, like, and it is more f- that kind of fluidy, uh, g- really cartoonishly gaggy, like, you know, doors bending as you slam them. Yeah, that you see in Animaniacs. It's the the digital stuff is weird. It works. It works when it's used well, mm-hmm. like to accompany something. Company like hand-drawn already, like. Um, I've been bringing up Legend of Korra a lot. It's because, like, I haven't seen anything top that. That's, like, the apex of modern animation right now because it's fluidly blending 2D and 3D Mm -hmm. majestically. And I don't even know what's 3D or what's 2D because it's just so uh, well intertwined. Mm -hmm. And, like, it it does look like a painting. It's gorgeous. (laughs) And um, something like The Simpsons, 
and their um, digital transition. It just looks so strange because it's very I think sterile. Yeah, and it might be it's because they're using too many frames. Could be. Yeah. Like, there, there's something about the classic 24 frames a second hmm. of hand drawn. Yeah. Imagine that. Seriously, if you're think about that, those listening, when you watch classic cartoons, you are seeing 24 individually hand drawn frames per second. Yes. On the screen. That is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> That's an achievement, <laughs> and it adds a a charm, a timeless charm to mm-hmm. it. Like the, it's not even choppy, but it's like, it doesn't look like it's a snake slithering through grass. You know, <laughs> <And> <laughs> like you're same, watching it through a window. At the same time, though, flash animation, which you find more on YouTube type stuff, yeah, it can be utilized really well. The Spill guys did a good job using flash animation. Yes. Uh, Homestar Runner. If you know who Homestar Runner is, I do. Okay, okay but oh my gosh. Do you, speaking of Flash, I know this is like when the CW first launched their animated slate back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. One of the shows uh, that they first launched was called Mucha Lucha. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, Wait, was he like a luchador with the. It was a school, it was like a middle school about. Everyone and everyone in that middle school was a luchador. <laughs> I, can, I have a vague, rec- a vague recollection of it. Yeah, it was tight. <laughs> like <laughs> it was cool, man, because everyone was Latino and like it was done all in Flash, and it was really innovative. And everyone talked about it at the time because it was like, whoa, what's this new Flash thing everyone's doing? <laughs> it was really neat looking too. That's cool. Mucha lucha. Mucha lucha. Mucha lucha. Mucha lucha. Mucha lucha. That was the theme song. <laughs> uh, well kind of wrap up here and and this is this is a little different than our typical rewatches where we've we watched a portion of a show but mm. uh do you recommend this do you, do you think people should watch animaniacs hell yes uh i mean like if you want to not just not just be entertained and be and just be floored by the <laughs> rapid fire wittiness that is animaniacs i think you can take away things like whether it's like a, a history lesson mm-hmm. or just like a really neat um tidbit of the time yeah and i think that's something that anime serves well it's like a really neat time capsule Mm -hmm. for all these (laughs) interesting references and history lessons and um yeah i'll I'll let you say your thing but Mm -hmm. i also have a question to pose for you afterwards okay pocket that Uh, i absolutely do recommend this show and i and i think that this is a great gateway cartoon into greater cartoons Mm. it's fine you can watch spongebob i know plenty of people who love spongebob and um first two seasons are brilliant and uh and and, uh, regular show or family guy like certainly like there's there's incredible animation out there for everyone but there's something about this classic style that if you can if you can introduce someone to a whole new world of animation by touch using something like Animaniacs, using something like the classic Looney Tunes, um, uh, Chuck Jones style, Tex Avery style, um, and this is this using Animaniacs as a way to open up someone's horizons to other type of other genres, other comedy, um, and and to develop a sharper sense of comedy because it's not just about the visuals in the Animaniacs. It's about the the dialogue too. Yes, like jokes go on top of each other, and they're layered, uh, and that's super smart. This this show is perfect to just just throw it on and do. And if you're just working in the kitchen making dinner, or you're cleaning up the house, or you're trying to do some homework, or just don't want to be distracted, throw it on, and I guarantee you will stop being using it as background noise, and you won't be able to take your eyes off of it. Mm. 
That's how good it is. So absolutely. Absolutely recommend it. Can't say it any better than that. <laughs> and now we just need Tiny Toons to get up on Netflix because I need to know if that show's still good. Because <laughs> I remember Tiny Toons being incredible. <laughs> and I want to know if it's still good. I need to know. There's a Blade Runner episode of Tiny Toons. No way. Uh, real kids don't eat broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a Citizen Kane episode of mm. Tiny Toons. I didn't say acne. I said acne. Acne. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking brilliant. <laughs> I did have a question about yes, that. Yes, yeah. Just speaking of like uh, kind of like franchises and franchising and rebooting all these old properties, mm-hmm. like is there a property out there from the past few decades that you think would serve well as a franchise today, like an animated property? Uh, as a TV show, as a movie, or just anything as goes? As a TV show. Anything goes? Like a show to bring back as a show. Because uh, they're bringing back a lot. Like yeah, Duck, Samurai Jack is coming back. DuckTales is coming back. Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls. Girls just came back. DuckTales is coming back? DuckTales coming Oh, yeah, back. you sent me a still. <laughs> yeah, and that animation, if that's the animation they're going with, looks great. It looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, absolutely Gargoyles. How Gargoyles okay. has not come back, I do not know. <laughs> um, Gargoyles. Gargoyles is... I'm rewatching that too. It's a serialized show. It's so great. Hmm. Um, but moving more towards like cartoons, it, Gargoyles doesn't fall necessarily in the category you're asking me for. Is yeah, it? yeah. Um, I think Chippendale Rescue Rangers. There's there's something there. There's something fun about their airplane being made out of pencils and and buttons. Uh, there's the Rescuers universe, which is what Chippendale Rescue Rangers falls under. Uh, that's fun. Like that that mice are protecting children across the globe. And getting involved in spy and adventure-like missions, that's, mm. that's fun. I think that there's there's something there that could be recaptured. Yes. Especially in the modern <laughs> world, dealing with computers and video games and, and just the way times have changed since in the past 20 years. Mm. So, so How do I work this tablet? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have one in mind? I just thought about it right now. I mean, I've been referencing it a lot, but... Since we live in the golden age of the superhero narrative, mm-hmm. especially in film and television, I think Freakazoid is ripe for a comeback. <laughs> oh, man. I would need to rewatch Freakazoid because I, I, I don't have a very strong memory of it. I just yeah. remember it being wacky. <laughs> it's, you think Anime X is crazy. This is like... Well, he, well he's essentially Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because he's, he's aware, at least one of his personalities is aware that he's within a show mm. like he breaks the fourth wall all the time yeah and he's always doing tongue-in-cheek references i think it's it's perfect to <laughs> like around in underwear freak, <laughs> own, freak, freak who freak you freak me <laughs> <laughs> he's on a brand new network <laughs> it's perfect yeah and that's spielberg too that is especially to talk about like the overindulgence and the oversaturation of superheroes and media right now that i'd be great like a great avatar would be Freakazoid. I, w- I would hope that they would try to recapture the, even the style, like the animation style. I would hate to see it done in like a 3D. Oh, yeah. There's something about the 2D of Freakazoid that made it work even better. Yeah. Hmm. Freakazoid. Well, <laughs> well, anyway, those listening, if uh, again, comment below if, you, if there's a cartoon you love or you'd love to see coming back. Uh, any Hanna-Barbera defenders out there, let's have a conversation about that. So. Street uh, Sharks! <laughs> Beetleborgs! <laughs> uh I, I may have said this about a year and a half ago or so, but uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not a good show. <laughs> uh, you are remembering it incorrectly. I'm sorry. Yeah. All you people who are mad at Michael Bay, 
It's, what are you mad about? This? It was just all bad. Ninja Turtles has always been really, really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for a world of pain. Three hours of Animaniacs. I say one besmirching word against Ninja Turtles. That's all anyone's going to talk about. That's on you, TC. That's on you. <laughs> well, this was fun, Ben. I mean, I'm I'm going to be watching Animaniacs in its entirety as over the. It just. It's. I just go like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed, watch another anime next show. This is a perfect uh, bedtime show. Where can people find Bento? You can find me on the interwebs. Uh, uh, you can follow me on all the social medias. Um, the band with no name film company is on Facebook. Uh, Benji Toes at Benji Toes. You can find me there at my handle on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And our series, Life Stories, NBC Asian America Presents Life Stories, is dropping this Thursday, May 5th, and I'm sweating buckets. <laughs> so come out, support, share, like, comment. Yeah. Um, uh, you can find that on NBC Asian America's Facebook and as well as NBC News and NBC Asian America, the website. Nice. That's me. <laughs> uh, if you are listening to this currently on uh, Firm- Firmament Films, take a look around. That's we, We've redone the sites. You'll see. Uh, I, I highly, highly recommend because there was a lot of hard work put into it. Just go and glance at all the movies. There is new thumbnails for every single video. I put our, uh, the laurels around everything. So yes. it's, it's fun to see um, you know, just how much recognition some of these shorts have, have gotten with all their hard work. Uh, you joked last time when I was like, oh, I don't have something in a film festival. And you're like, you've had plenty. And then I, when I finished recording, Chad text me and he's like hey don't forget where our, our movie high neighbors playing at the film festival literally all of them <laughs> uh, but uh, check out firmatfilms.com you can see some of our shorts we got some new ones coming uh, very very soon um, and you can check me out doing the one minute rewatch over at the bit life show which you can find at thebitlifeshow.com or you can find it at youtube.com slash the bit life show where I try to review a movie in 60 seconds or less yes. uh, the most recent episode up right now is Snow White and the Huntsman that was a good uh, episode yeah, I got an X-Men one coming for you guys soon um, yeah and check out uh, Chad's one minute gamer as well because he's the, the godfather of of the one minute reviews that I've been doing. So what's that game he's playing right now? Honeydew Mountain. Honey Star Stardew Valley. <laughs> Stardew Valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, subscribe, like, share, spread the word of the Rewatchmen. Please check out Ben's Life Story Show. Uh, Keep M- me employed. <laughs> NBC Asian America. He'll be directing a Star Wars in no time. I am TC DeWitt for Ben Tote. For all the rewatchmen saying, keep doing what you're doing, and Obama out. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, we didn't talk about that. I did. Everybody lives on a street, in a city, or a village, or a town, for what it's worth. And they're all inside a country which is part of a continent that sits upon a planet known as Earth. And the Earth is a ball full of oceans and some mountains which is out there spinning silently in space. And living on that Earth are the plants and the animals and also the entire human race. It's a great big universe and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. It's big and black and inky and we are small and dinky. It's a big universe and we're not. 
were part of a vast interplanetary system stretching 700 billion miles long. With nine planets and a sun, we think the Earth's the only one that has life on it, although we could be wrong. Across the interstellar voids are a billion asteroids, including meteors and Halley's Comet, too. And there's over 50 moons floating out there like balloons in a panoramic trillion-mile view. And still it's all a speck amid a hundred billion stars in a galaxy we call the Milky Way. It's 60,000 trillion miles from one end to the other, and still that's just a fraction of the way. Cause there's a hundred billion galaxies that stretch across the sky filled with constellations, planets, moons, and stars. And still the universe extends to a place that never ends, which is maybe just inside a little jar. It's a great big universe, and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. Though we don't know how we got here, we're important part here. It's a big universe.